Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Episode 144 of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I have Angela Uchi that I'm about to bring on. I'm probably saying her last name wrong, but I'll have her correct me when she's on. She has such a powerful testimony. I found out about her, I think maybe a year ago. I reached out to her. She didn't see my message for several months. And then when she went to reach out to me, she saw that I had already reached out to her like six months or eight months prior. And I wanted to get her on the podcast and share what she's going to share. It's all in God's timing. Again, this was about a year ago. She was the host of a prominent astrology podcast. But what really rocked me was when I saw the video she made of going from, think about this, guys, let me give you context, hosting a new age astrology podcast to becoming a Christian. And this was happening live on internet, on the internet, on YouTube. This was happening, her trans, her transformation was just super, super powerful. And so I want you guys to see this. She has a powerful testimony. So what I'm about to show you is two minutes of when she got saved and decided that she's no longer gonna do an astrology podcast. So this is her old podcast, and then we're gonna bring her on and she's gonna share her testimony of how she got here. So everyone stay tuned to this. This is her old podcast. I wanna show you guys because it's super powerful. This is Angela Uchi, and let me, let me show you guys. Watch the screen, everyone, look at this. The final podcast I am recording under the title of Moon and Back. I am rebranding in 2022, and in this episode, I'm going to explain why and what that rebranding will look like as we move forward. So here it is. Um, it's no secret that over the past few months, I've been talking a lot about you know, my relationship with God and really opening myself up to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And in that has inevitably come many shifts over the past couple of months. And, you know, the deeper that I dive into the Word of God and into the Holy Spirit and into God's love and into Jesus's light, I I just, I can't do astrology anymore. I don't want to do astrology anymore. I don't want to participate in the New Age practices anymore. I don't want to read tarot anymore. I don't want to use crystals to, quote, heal my body anymore. I don't want to read books about oneness anymore. I don't want to claim that I'm from another planet anymore. I don't I don't want to receive nor facilitate Reiki anymore. You know, I don't even want to do yoga anymore. I still want to stretch and exercise and you know, have fitness, but as far as the yoga poses themselves like warrior one and goddess and eagle and all these things that are rooted in Hinduism to yoke pagan gods. I don't want to do that anymore. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Angela on the show. Angela, that is one of my all-time favorite <laughs> clips. The chat is going wild. What a powerful testimony of you just coming to the point of saying, I don't want to do this anymore, but it's happening on YouTube. It's happening right there live on video. And so thank you for being on. I'm super excited to have you and I'm excited to jump into your testimony tonight. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that clip, um, that podcast, my old podcast was called Moon and Back. And when I put that out, I was so scared, but it it was so well received and I was so surprised. It was literally like the floodgates were open and I had been really working hard for a year on that podcast on Moon and Back, just trying to build it. I was literally like paying for ads and all of these things. And as soon as I relinquished it in the name of Jesus, it's like God's that audience came in. Um, wow. I got so many messages. I got so many followers and obviously that's not the goal, but it was just, it was just kind of like an affirmation from the Lord that you're doing the right thing. And he was just showing me that I was finally for the first time in my life on the right track because I was walking his path instead of my own for the first time ever. That is so good. Man, what what a powerful story about how you had this astrology audience. Now, people in the chat, when they were watching that, they thought that was your current setup. They're like, why does she have moons and a star? Guys, just to catch you up, because there's about a thousand that just jumped in here. This was before she was saved. As she's finding Christ, she was hosting an astrology podcast talking about yoga and starseed. We'll get into all of it tonight. And then she gets saved, and now she's on her old audience, her astrology audience, saying, Hey guys, which is great. I mean, this is takes a lot of guts to do. Hey guys, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do, as you guys just heard her say, I don't want to do Reiki. I don't want to do yoga. I don't want to do these poses any longer. And I don't want to be involved in this. And man, I know it takes a lot of bravery to do that, to transition your audience from going from astrology and the new age, which we're going to break all of it down to now you're a Christian, now you're a believer. So let's, how did, how did we get there? How did you go? What was your upbringing like? You know, did you, were you raised in church and how did you go getting involved in the new age to where you're at now? Let's just start with your upbringing. Yeah. So I'll first say that what you saw on that set, everything got destroyed that night. So, um, so I was brought up and I think the context to this matters because it just gives you sort of an idea of where I was at emotionally, mentally, and mentally, I was raised by a single mom and I was an only child. So I never had a mm. father figure. So right off the bat, this is going to tell you a lot about my relationships later in life. Um, and my mom did a great job, but you know, she could only do so much and she was not Christian. So she did not have that foundation. She only had the foundation of her own understanding. And we all know what the Bible says about that. So, um, my mom raised me and she had worked so much that she really needed the support of my grandmother to help with that. And so my mom would go to work in the mornings. It would be grandma who was there to get me up, you know, from the time I was a little, a little baby, little kid to the time that I was a teenager. She was there before school, after school. There was a point in my life where most of my young life where she lived literally right down the block from me. So it was always like after school, I could just walk to grandma's house before school, always saw grandma, you know, when it got to the age where I could walk myself. Um, and my grandma was literally my favorite person in the world. Mm. Like 100%, she was my best friend. Um, and so long story short, you know, I'm, I'm bullied my whole life. I'm always isolated. 
already a single child. And so now on top of it, I'm bullied constantly. And now I like to joke and say that the Lord let me be bullied my whole life because he was preparing me to be a Christian. Preach. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I I had a really bad experience in Catholic school. And people always think that I'm bashing Catholics when I say that. I'm not. This is just what happened to me. I had an experience where a priest yelled in my face and called me a liar and, you know, said that God knows I'm that, that I'm a liar. And so I... It's not that I never believed in God my whole life, but I think when that happened in the seventh grade, I put up a wall mentally mm. that I wasn't even aware of. And so fast forward a little bit. Um, I'm a teenager in high school, struggling with depression, again, just like isolated. I turned to the internet as some sort of refuge um, because it was kind of like the only place I felt like I could find a community. I was really, really, really deep into music. I was so into pop punk, especially when I was a teenager. I used to say that the band All Time Low, if you're familiar with them, I used to say they saved my life. Like that's how into music that I was, that I was actually attributing music to the fact that I was alive. Like it was my mm. salvation. And these are things that I used to say. I used to want the lead singer of the band's lyrics that he wrote like tattooed on my body. Like I was in so wow. deep. Um, I was absolutely obsessed. It was often the thing that I was clinging to hanging by a thread. And this pattern of me just finding something to cling to, to hang on by a thread just continues until eventually I land on the truth of Jesus. So the music thing lasted from freshman year of high school until like freshman year of college, the obsession with that. And I really did feel like it was the only thing that was ever getting me through my, my depression and my anxiety was these lyrics and these, these bands and um, going to these concerts, which, you know, is a form of worship. And so that's all I felt like that I had from the age of 14 to like the age of 19. And I was self-harming through high school. And a lot of that did have to do with the community online that I was exposed to. You're mm. in my, you're in my generation. So I'm sure you've heard of Tumblr. Yep. Like I was on Tumblr. I actually had a popular band blog for all time low. It was just like, it, it was it was just ridiculous, like looking back on it in hindsight. And it's also heartbreaking because I was I was just a really, really sad young girl. I really yeah. was. Um, and so I'm self-harming. I'm I'm cutting myself, um, burning myself with my straightener once in a while. But it, it was it was a lot. And, you know, there were times where I was even hospitalized because my mom found out that I was cutting myself. And in college, I had I had a suicide attempt that I was hospitalized for. And so always with this backdrop of depression, always with this backdrop of suicide ideation. Now, 2014 comes and my mom plans this cruise for us to go to Bermuda. So we leave and we're in the middle of the ocean and we just get a phone call that my grandma's in the hospital. And it still makes me emotional because it's just that's so rough. It just wasn't, it was the most unexpected thing. We would have never left on a vacation if something was wrong with her, Yeah. Um, needless to say. So we get a call that she's in the hospital and that it doesn't look good. And then, you know, this is like really kind of the first time where I felt like I had tapped into anything spiritually because I remember going out on the balcony of the cruise ship and I sat down and I looked out at the ocean and I and I started talking to my grandmom and I was saying, you got to hold on for me. Like, you can't go like this. You have to wait for me. And lo and behold, I come back inside and my grandpa calls and he tells my mom, he just says the words, it's over. Mm. And I let out like a blood curdling scream. Like I can still hear that scream. Um, 
I pull like I pulled myself down on the curtains of the of like the the windows and I'm just weeping. And so we're literally in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. My grandma's dead. And we had to wait another two or three days to oh. get to Bermuda just to get on a plane and come home and bury her. And so this was the catalyst of my new age journey, because again, I did not have the backdrop of Christianity. I did not know the Lord, but all I knew was that I missed my grandma. I missed my best friend and I wanted her in any way that I could get her. And so we eventually, per my recommendation, me and my mom sought out a medium in December of that same year of 2014, right around Christmas. And this medium, mind you, was very much so saying that God was there, was saying wow. that the archangels were there, that she was communicating with Archangel Michael and that Archangel Gabriel was in the room. And she had a deck of quote unquote angel cards out that she was encouraging us to take one. And that would be the message from whatever loved one we were trying to connect with. And so I took one that said, we are so connected and it just, it broke, wow. it broke me. Um, and I kept that card for years. Like I had that card basically framed in my room. It was hung up and I went out after that experience and I bought out a deck, but back to the medium herself, she knew things that she just had no business knowing, like there's no way she could have known them. So I was sold. Like I was just sold and when I look back on these things, it just, it kind of makes me sick because, you know, I will say that people that are involved in these practices, while I don't think they necessarily have bad intentions, what they are doing is purely evil because mm. it's literally capitalizing on trauma. Yes. That woman is sitting in a room making so much money. I think it was like 50 bucks a head and there's like 20 of us in there. So she's making so much money on people that are so struck with grief that they are seeking out somebody who they believe can connect them with their dead loved one and she's profiting from that like it's just wow it's sickening and so when i think back to that it's so clear to me to see the demonic in that yeah because only the devil would want to profit from somebody's pain wow. and so we ended up going back to see her again, but it was just a domino effect from there because I was sold. I had, it, it was a hook, line and sinker. I was, I was addicted to it from, from that session with her because the things that she was saying, it really was like my, it was, re I was really convinced it was my grandma. And she was saying, you know, your grandma's always with you. Your grandma always wants to be with you. And I was really giving the demon that then poses my grandma for like the next seven or eight years permission to literally infiltrate me, be with me all the time, which I'll talk about later. But um, I see now, you know, obviously Satan can't predict what God is going to do in the future. Only Satan can predict what he's going to do in the future. And mm. he, of course, can talk about the past. So that's really what he was doing, that the demons that were working through the medium posing as my grandma, they were talking through the past. They were describing what she looked like in our relationship and the necklace that I had on underneath my turtleneck, like things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So after I left that place, we and, you know, I'm already in the car 
on my phone Googling, you know, like, how can I, how can I talk to the dead? Um, I went out and I got that same deck of cards, like I mentioned that she had in the room. And then I'm up late at night reading about mediumship, reading about how to connect with the other side. And then I started buying my own medium books. And this is just always how it starts with the new age, because, yes. you know, like the devil isn't going to just like hand you a chain and be like, here, I'm going to put you in bondage. It's like he hands you links. Like here, here's the first link was the medium. The second link was the uh, was the cards. And then the third link was, oh, well, you know what? Hmm, maybe I need some crystals. Like it's just link, 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 link. And then by the end of this, almost 10 years later, I am wrapped in this chain of demonic bondage. And I wow. don't even know how I got there. But that's how it always is with the new age. It's just little link after little link after little link. It's a domino effect. It's a snowball effect. And it, it's just a it's just a bottomless pit because you can never get enough of it. I um so the crystals, you know, I, I started reading about how you could connect with your dead loved ones and enhance your own psychic abilities through the crystals. And so I sought out kind of a uh, a cult store that I became absolutely obsessed with and had spent thousands of dollars on their new age paraphernalia throughout the years. Um, so I remember very- And are you thinking these are demons you're contacting? Like when you're involved oh, in the new not. age? So no, you're thinking not. these are what light being spirit guides. What are you thinking that when you're trying to connect with your grandma and obviously the devil lured you in, as you said, you know, the Bible says he comes as an angel of light it says, of course, his ministers comes as they come as ministers of righteousness, because even the devil himself comes innocent as an angel of light. You know, there's a lot of people watching and there's people right now in the chat like I'm involved in this. I didn't know this was wrong. And this is something Taylor said as well. They just don't realize the darkness that they're opening up a portal, an open door to the other side, which we know there is a spiritual realm. There is Colossians 1.16. There's an invisible and there's a visible realm. But what they don't realize is these are not just spirit guides or light beings. These are demonic spirits. These are fallen angels that are coming to still kill and destroy. So your story is so fascinating because for you, it was, an it was an innocent, I'm using quotes, of I just want to connect with my grandma who was like, for those just jumping in a second mom to you here you are trying to connect with her but then you end up down this rabbit trail of crystals and yoga and astrology and we'll go into later the star seed all the stuff you're going into what were your thoughts as you're doing this were you thinking like this is some dark stuff or was it all like you're doing this and you're good because i've talked to new agers and they're like i'm bringing healing to people i'm helping yeah. people i'm bringing life was that your your thought in in the midst of all of this yeah, absolutely. I never once thought that it was evil. And that's why I mentioned, you know, people like like that medium that I first saw. I don't think and because I was friends with a lot of New Agers and I was one myself, I don't think, you know, I won't speak for everyone, but I don't think a majority of them have bad intentions. Like, I don't mm. think that medium had a sinister agenda just to profit off grief. I think she really, really believed she was bringing healing to people because she had wow. a gift from God to connect them with their dead loved ones. But it's evil. And exactly, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen is the absolute embodiment of everything under the umbrella of New Age spirituality, 100%. And that was made so clear to me upon my salvation. But um, going back to the crystals, yeah, I had this very, very, I have the first time I heard a spirit and it was a demon speak to me was when I was in a crystal shop and I was looking for the perfect one, which is like, where is the one that's going to be basically the, 
the telephone that I use to talk to grandma with. Yeah, explain the, to the us the crystals realm. for all the new people that are like, what What are they using these crystals for? Explain to us, like you said, what are you using? What are the crystals for? What do you, I have an idea, but what are you using them for? What is the purpose of them? And, and why are people getting so wrapped up in these crystals even, even now? So there's basically a crystal for everything, which is okay. part of the draw with them. I mean, first of all, they're pleasing to the eye. So that is the first, you know, the mm. initial like, oh, they're so pretty. Like, I want to look at them. And then you get close to one and then you see the little description like, oh, can enhance your psychic abilities, can help you, you know, there's like the prosperity crystals that will attract abundance and wealth. And then there's the love crystals that are going to open up your heart chakra and invite good relationships in. And then there's the ones that I was seeking out specifically at that time to help you connect with the other side, with the spirit realm, mm. um, to communicate with the dead. And so, you know, crystals, I get this a lot. Oh, but crystals are mentioned in the Bible. It's like the breastplate. It's like, yes, crystals are mentioned in the Bible, you know, like in heaven, like being like the roads and things like yeah. that. But that that does not indicate that they have these mm. supernatural spiritual properties by means of abundance or means of communication or means of wealth and love or any of those things that is just the devil like he does with everything else in the new age just perverting wow. god's design that's all it is so being mentioned in the bible is completely irrelevant from the fact that that the divination is a sin yeah it doesn't matter that they're just mentioned in the bible as being the breastplate of armor that doesn't mean that you can use an emerald to attract wealth because that's divination and God is explicit what divination means. Mm. So, um, so you're talking about the encounter you had with the demon. You're in the crystal shop oh, right. when yeah. you had this, this spiritual encounter where, or I was where looking a for the came. one to talk to my grandma with, and I okay. found it was called a celestialite and it was this baby blue crystal and it was in the case. And I was looking at it and I heard right over my shoulder, just like a whisper, like, that's the one. And it was oh. the first time I had heard something talk to me and I thought it was my grandma. So obviously, oh, that's the one. So I'm going to buy that. And my collection started there. I, I had altars all the time from that point forward for the next eight or nine years. I just had altars everywhere. Um, and what are these altars? Was, when you say altars, are they like literally you're setting up things in your house or how, do, how does that work? Yeah. So it started out, I had like a little tiny end table and, you know, you can look online. I don't recommend doing it, but you can look online to find, you know, oh, if you set them up in a certain grid pattern, mm. it's going to attract this energy and that energy. And so things like that. So I would do those types of things. Um, and yes, literally altars like I would I would sit there and I would meditate in front of them. I would hold them. I would I would pray to them. I would talk to my grandma through them. Um, and then that's when I started getting into the affirmation thing. Like, you know, say I'm holding a crystal that was ordained to attract wealth. Like I would say, I am abundant. I am wealthy. I am prosperous, like holding this crystal. And they did used to get hot. Like they would get really hot in my hands. Um, or sometimes they get really cold. And there were a lot of times like the clear crystals, like the quartz crystals and things like that, where as I got deeper and deeper and deeper on this journey, you know, I would be laying down at the end of my yoga practice and I would like literally put them over my third, my third eye. And I would feel it like get so ice cold, like it was supposed to be awakening something. 
Wow. Really what it was was straight up inviting demons into my body. And I just yeah. didn't know it. Like, that's not something you think because I would I would like to believe that if people thought they were inviting demons and they wouldn't be doing something. But that's yeah. I mean, that's the very nature of deception is that it's a deception. You don't know you're being deceived. And um, and I wanted to make a point, too, while you're going, that I don't want to interrupt you the way people don't. I think a lot of Christians, we write we write off the fact that these demons really do have power and they really do have an ability right. if you invite them in to invade into the natural realm. So like when you look at Ouija boards, some Christians say, oh, it's fake. It is not fake. It actually, the little thing really does move. And that Ouija board, although it is made by Hasbro, becomes an access point for those demons to communicate with you. And that's why if you go to like a witchcraft store and John Ramirez, a friend of mine, did a, a video where he went into a witchcraft store and showed all the statues you buy for each spirit those are the point of contact for the spirit to invade the natural realm. So when you guys are hearing like, how could a crystal heat up or get cold? These are demons interacting with natural things. That's why there's people that use spirit boxes and people say, oh no, that's fake. No, the demons are using the electronics, the box to communicate. If you open the door, the demon is going to come in. And so this stuff really does have power. It's extremely deceptive. Even when it comes to like Reiki healing, people say, well, how does it work? Well, it works because the demon will either tell the demon that's afflicting you to stop afflicting you. And then now your faith is in, oh, I got healed by Reiki and I have to go back to them again and get another healing and get another uh, another reading or I have to pay $500 to get another star chart read or whatever it is. It's this deception of if you have a spirit of infirmity and you're going to a witch doctor that has that demon has power over that demon. It's all the devil tanging, tangling you up in this new age deception uh, to steal, kill, to destroy it. And the problem with a lot of new agers is they don't realize that all of the joy they're getting, what they think is joy, or all of the peace they're getting, there's also the dark side of anxiety, of depression, of sickness. Like there's a big famous YouTube psychic and he did a video about how a dark, a dark entity, a dark spirit guide came into his life and he got extremely sick for years and he, because of this dark spirit, right? But he, but what people don't realize is, yeah, it's all fun and games until a demon of infirmity comes in. Now you're depressed. Now you're anxious. Now you're sick in body. So there is just an incredible deception there when it comes to, you know, the crystals and the new age and the fact that we, I think a lot of us are in denial, not realizing the devil is, according to scripture, the God of this world. And that's the lowercase g. He is the ruler of this world. Even if you go all the way to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation says the one that rules those that are in the world. Um, so he's ruling with his power the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. And we have power over him. But I don't I don't want to like, oh, this is all fake because there is, there is real power and stuff in this witchcraft. And I think that's what people don't realize when they get involved. Or those of you in the chat, that are involved in it. Like there's a real danger. We're telling you tonight, there's real danger when you get involved in this stuff. And to that point, I'm actually glad you said that there's an actual science behind crystals as well. Um, my best friend's husband, he works in a, it's, it's like a super kind of like, I don't want to say top secret, but it's like one of those government jobs that I don't really know anything about. All I know is that he has something to do with like weaponry. And so he's a scientist and he was explaining to us that they do use crystals like in mm. certain in certain weapons and things like that because there is a frequency to the crystals. And now in the Bible, it does say that Satan is the prince of the air. So what is a frequency? It's in the air, right? Mm. And so I think that's one of the reasons why he is so able to use the crystals as one of his means of deception, of infiltration. 
um, and possession because of that very reason. There is a certain frequency to the crystals themselves. And thus, that is, like you said, it, it's it's kind of his realm. It's his territory in that sense. Um, we just, there's no reason for us to have them around, in my That's opinion. That's good. So the crystals, and then also now you're getting into not just crystals, but talk to us a little bit about how you got involved with yoga, with astrology, and maybe some of the dangers of that as well. Yeah, so it's kind of twofold with that because I had a year after my grandmom died. So I'm going down this path of quote unquote spirituality, um, getting into the mediumship, into the crystals. And this inadvertently starts like a self-help journey. Mm. Um, and so that's it's all interconnected because self-help is basically a sliding board straight into new age. Um, I started buying all of these books, you know, how to how to make yourself better. Basically, there was a book I had by Louise Hay called How to Heal Your Life, things like that. Um, and it was all very, really, really pseudo spiritual kind of self-help. And so I'm start reading all that towards the end of the first year of my grandmom's passing, while at the same time deciding I'm going to take control of my my health because I was I gained I was already overweight but I gained a lot of weight when my grandmom died so I was almost 300 pounds at 21 years old and from 2015 June 2015 to June 2016 I had lost 100 pounds and so through that whole year from 2015 to 2016 I was on this like self-help mission where I'm reading all of these books I'm engaging in all of these practices and I want to say something about self-help culture before I move on go from ahead, that. Go ahead. Because I think it is so important to talk about. And we don't talk about it enough because it is portrayed as like, well, why yes. would it be a bad thing that you want to help yourself? And I want to say that it's not. I'm not saying you should hate yourself or anything like that. But I'm saying that when you get obsessed with self-help, it creates a self-savior complex that mm. you are the master of your own life. You are the one that's in control of everything about your life. You can manifest your own destiny. You can manifest this. You can manifest that. You can, like I said, that book was literally called You Can Heal Your Life. So it creates the self-savior complex. Not only is is Jesus not even in your head, but you don't even have room for him at that point because you're, you become so self-obsessed because the root is self so like self-love, self-hate, self, self-help, it's all one and the same because the root is self. And when you look at scripture, scripture doesn't tell us to hate ourselves. It says rather than self-help though, or self-love, it says to self-sacrifice, right? Mm. The whole gospel is about picking up your cross and following Christ, denying yourself and following Jesus. Yes. So this whole self-help culture is promoting something that is entirely that is entirely antithetical to the Bible. And that's why so it does good. so well because it's Satanism. It, I just did this whole podcast episode on how Satanism sells because it just feeds us this perpetual constant look to the mirror, look to the mirror, look to the yes. mirror. You got this. Live your best self, be your authentic self, live your best life. When the truth is, your authentic self is a sinner. So Come when on. you pursue the authentic self, you are pursuing sin. When you pursue the authentic self, you are pursuing the self that Satan loves you to be. And he doesn't care if you are worshiping at an altar. He doesn't care if you don't even believe in him. As long as you're worshiping anything that isn't God, especially mm. if it's yourself, he's good. So Satan loves the self-help culture. And that's why it is so 
heavily perpetuated throughout secularism because, you know, the New Age stuff might not speak to everyone. It might not be everyone's thing to get all Zen and do some yoga and play with crystals and read the cards. But it speaks to a lot of people to, you know, have your own little self-help routine. Yes. Wow. Have your affirmation journal. You are in control of your own life. You're the pilot of your own life. Whatever you want, you can do. That speaks to a lot of people because it speaks to kind of the the depraved self. Mm. And it validates the depraved self. It says you don't have sin. Actually, you're just searching for your best self. And it's like, it's like a switch goes off where it's like, wow, okay. So I've actually just not been living up to my highest potential. That's the problem. So I just actually need more of myself, not less of myself. I need to embody more of myself. And that's what self-help really does. And that's why it was such a sliding board right into the rest of the new age stuff, because that ultimately it's, it's a narcissistic worldview. It's a narcissistic religion. And so is everything else under the umbrella of new age, because it's all self. And so the self-help stuff did not help me. Needless to say, now that's not, you know, there are certain things like, oh, you should make your bed every day because it's like a first accomplishment of the day sort of thing. Like, yes, good. That's not a bad thing to strive for, stuff like that. Um, But this idea that you are the master of your own life, you can have an abundant life, be your authentic self, be shameless for who you are. No, that is endorsing your sin. Come on. And therefore, you are totally negating the possibility that you are a sinner. So there's no room for Jesus there. There's no room for Jesus in the self-help realm. The only help that you can truly get is from him alone. He is the answer. And so when I was really engaged in all the self-help stuff, I was unknowingly becoming more narcissistic than I had ever been because now I'm a hundred pounds lighter. I look good for the first time in my life. People think so. I'm noticing that I am getting this egomaniac mindset where I did this. I'm so great. And again, this isn't anything I'm aware of, but when I look back on myself, it's so clear to see because now I'm actually able to see through that lens of someone who is a sinner I can see all my sin in that. I can see all my pride and my self-righteousness in that version of myself that was obsessed with the weight loss journey. And again, I'm not saying losing weight is a bad thing. You should strive to be healthy. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of it. But it became an idol for me. Mm. And so with that journey came an obsession to constantly feed more of that narcissism that I didn't even know I had. My shelves were just full of self-help books and also new age books because it's it was like a it was just like this marriage of some of them are really secular, some of them are really spiritual, and then there was this like blend of the two of them. Um, and so that's what led me to yoga. Long way around the barn. That's what led me to yoga was I really want to be my best self. I really want to continue on this healthy journey. So what's the next step for me? Because I like going to the gym now. I like eating healthy now. What can I do now? And then I discovered the practice of yoga where I saw, wow, there's a way to marry these these worlds together, this Mm. live your best life world along with the spiritual. And that was the yoga practice. And it was like, 
I had found everything I had been looking for. And of course, that's what I thought every single time I got into a new facet of the new age was this is the thing I'm looking for. And it never was because I got into the next step shortly after. Like I said, it's those little links to build your chain. But yoga quickly became an obsession for me um, because it may it's like a physical addiction and i always call these practices spiritual narcotics because you really do get a high from it wow. you get a high from doing yoga there are certain poses and and they're called asanas which is um a sequence of these specific poses certain asanas that really kind of endorse a feeling of of true ecstasy in your body and there were many times on that yoga mat where i was i was shaking with euphoria or I was sobbing, like, you know, and now I know I was manifesting, like yep. I'm sobbing on the yoga mat, just, and I'm like, oh, I'm releasing, this is my release, but nothing was actually being released. It was just a demon manifesting. Wow. Um, and and the, so the thing with that is it becomes an addiction, right? You get, a, you get addicted to that, those feelings that are embodied on the yoga mat, that, that release, like, oh, I, if I need a good cry, if I just go through this yoga practice, it's going to you know, because you store up all this stuff in your body. So if you just move X, Y, Z sort of way, you're going to release it all, release it all, release it all. And like I said, it's a spiritual narcotic. You get addicted to it. I always had to go back to the yoga mat. It became a ritual for me every morning, waking up at a certain time, setting out the incense, making sure I had these crystals in front of my, you know, depending on what kind of day I wanted to have, of course, it was whatever crystals were there. So If I wanted to feel more psychically in tune that day, it was all the clear quartz crystals. If I wanted to feel more love that day, it was all the rose quartz. If I needed to heal something about, about my, you know, my broken heart, maybe it was an emerald, something like that. Um, And praise God, I can't remember all their meanings anymore. I, it was, like I said, it was a ritual and I would spend an hour to two hours every single day on that yoga mat. And it got to the point where I would sit, tell people if I'm having an off day, I didn't do my yoga today. It was like, I became reliant on it. And I want to say to that point, I'm not saying exercise is a bad thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't stretch your body, but you should not stretch your body within the context of a yoga practice. You, you mm. Especially as a Christian, you just absolutely should not. The roots are pagan. The fruit's not going to be holy. I say that all the time about the yoga practice specifically. The roots of yoga are intrinsically pagan. You can research this for five minutes or five hours. It's there. The information is there. I actually have a Heaven and Healing podcast episode all about the truth of yoga. And I get into kind of the history of it, where it comes from. And, you know, yoga was created for all intents and purposes of false god worship. Mm. That's why it was created. That's what the poses were curated for. They were curated to honor false gods and not only honor false gods, but invite and to yoke with false gods. And so when you are participating in these practices, you are yoking with those same deities that the yoga practice, again, was curated for. It does not matter what your intention is. And I say that with so much love. That's good. Because I used to do yoga. I had great intentions. My intentions every day were to heal myself. My intentions every day were to feel great in my physical body. However, my intentions, as they say, good intentions are, are paved to hell. 
it was not, it was null. My intention did not dispute the objective truth to what I was doing. My subjective feelings about it did not dispute the objective reality. There is always an objective undercurrent to everything that we do. So whatever your subjective thought process is to a thing, it does not matter in light of that objective reality. And the objective reality about yoga is that it is indeed pagan worship. Mm. It is idolatry. And it is, I say this a lot too, that it's basically like Ouija twister. Wow. Your body is becoming an antenna for demons. And I don't care how crazy that sounds. You don't have to believe me. But again, it does not change the objective component to this. Even in the yoga practice, okay, I'm not saying this from a place of ignorance. I was a certified yoga teacher. I was teaching yoga three to four times a week, both online and in person. Wow. When you go through your yoga training, they teach you something called the yoga sutras. And the yoga sutras are all about energy. So it's the yoga practice is all about channeling energy about bringing in energy. I remember very, very specifically in my yoga teacher training packet, the certain poses, how if you do certain things, you're going to open your crown chakra. If you do if you do a certain pose, you're going to open your heart chakra. So your intention with that doesn't matter. This is what it this is what it was intended to be. If you wanted to go play with a Ouija board, just because just for fun a lot of people do that right like they go to a party yeah. they play with a ouija board just for fun demons come it doesn't matter yep. if your intention yep. was just to have fun and it's the same thing with the yoga practice it doesn't matter if your intention is just to stretch because it's not just stretching and i say this a lot that the yoga practice it is a spiritual practice with physical benefits it's not mm. the other way around there are plenty of other ways to exercise there you know like pilates is essentially yoga without the demons go do that bar classes spin classes i lift go lift some weights that's better for you anyway there's actually some studies some people sent me on instagram recently that stretching your your certain tissue out every day like actually isn't good for you I, i'm not a doctor so i don't have anything to back that up <laughs> but i've read some research on that that apparently you shouldn't be stretching your body like crazy every single day because it's actually not good for you who would have thought but go lift weights. That's good for you. There are so many other ways to exercise. And when, you know, I find it really fascinating that the reaction to yoga from Christians, especially yes. is so aggressive. Yep. People can take everything else that I say and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even the Taylor Swift thing, like, yeah, Taylor Swift is demonic. But if I say yoga is demonic, it's like, it's what are you cow. talking about? I can't, I can't stretch. This is why people shy away from Christianity and wow. like, and just get so aggressive with me. And I see you now why it's because I would argue that the yoga practice more so than most of the other new age things invite the most demons in yes. because of the physical components, because you are using your body as an antenna of sorts. You are using your body as like a human Ouija board of sorts. So in that sense, I think it it really does invite the most demons in, you know, aside from yeah. the crystals and, and the tarot cards and the and practicing astrology. I think yoga is the number one demon invitation. It's like the demon yeah. party funhouse. And I want to say, too, there's a lot of people in the chat and 
pastors and Christians that defend it and they say, we're just going to redeem it. But guys, you cannot redeem something that has that was created with the intentions of inviting demons. That's the whole, and I'm not going to get into this debate here because it'll be a whole thing, but people are like, we're just going to redeem Halloween. We're just going to redeem yoga. We're just going to redeem angel cards. We're not going to do tarot cards. We're going to do angel cards. We had people at our church bringing angel boards and like, it's not a Ouija board. It's an angel board. We're communicating with the Holy Spirit, handing out. But you guys have to realize as she's saying, these are pagan at their root. They were not created God did not make these. These are not ordained by God. And so we're not trying to redeem something that's inherently demonic and a vehicle of Satan to be used in darkness, to be used to invite demons. And there's a lot of people right now being demonized, doing Christian yoga, having yoga at the church. And, and the pa- like, I had a pastor one time like, why are you talking about yoga? We have yoga at the church. And I'm like, dude, if you're having yoga classes at your church... You need to shut down your church. You are you are literally opening up a demonic portal, a demonic realm, inviting them into your body. So now here you are, yoga instructing, teaching, you know, almost a decade of new age. Have Do you ever, and we're going to get into your testimony of meeting Jesus, but is there any point, Angela, during this whole journey where you're just like, maybe I should, maybe God's the answer. Like, I know you're searching in a lot of, and I love that you talk about the search, because that is what the new age is. That is what people in the new age are. And my heart is broken and I have compassion. And I do have a special burden for those in the new age, because just like the atheist was searching, just like the agnostic searches, just like the Buddhist, whoever it is searching, the new ager is really on this pursuit for purpose and joy and love and the supernatural, but not realizing that all of that is only found in Christ. It's only found in God. Is there any moment where Angela goes, man, I'm looking in the yoga, man, I'm looking, I'm seeing mediums and I'm channeling demons and I have crystals all over my house and my my house looks like a gym mine. I mean, I literally just have stuff everywhere. <laughs> is there ever a point where you're like, maybe God is what I, and we know now, of course, we'll talk about how you found it, but was there a moment or any type of like where the veils open or do you just feel like, man, the devil had me so blinded that I didn't even think that God could have been the answer? Before I answer that, I want to say one more thing because I don't want to forget about it. To your point about yoga um, and redeeming it, people say that they're going to redeem it or whatever. Two things, actually. One, we shouldn't take advantage of God's grace. And two, um, you know, people like to use that verse a lot of the time at me, like about about the meat, you know, like, you know, eating the meat is a sin for some and not for others. But okay, first of all, that's that's completely different. Like that's a completely different thing. And second of all, they never want to go down a couple more verses where it says, oh, but you shouldn't eat the meat if it makes your brother stumble. Yeah. And so the thing is, if you do yoga, say a new believer sees you doing yoga and is like, oh, cool. I can do yoga too. Goes to a yoga class. You can't go to a yoga class without having Hindu gods and goddesses all over the walls without seeing a tarot deck in the corner without a crystal here, a salt lamp there. Like it's, it's just, it's riddle. It's like a demon cave. Every time you go into a yoga studio, you can't see that stuff. You can't have that stuff without yoga. And so a new brother and sister Christ seeing you do yoga goes to a yoga studio. Guess what? They stumble. They stop walking the narrow road. They start getting fascinated with the yoga practice. And then the yoga practice leads to astrology, leads to the moon cycle, leads to this, leads to that. So at the very least, if you can't get on board with anything else that we're saying, you can get on board at least with what scripture says about not causing your brother or sister to stumble. And it could definitely cause your brother or sister to stumble by you engaging in a pagan practice. Yes, that's really, really good. um, As far as believing in God goes, I always believed in God and... That's a really important point 
for new agers because so they mix god into the equation they're mixing god or jesus or whatever thinking oh i'm good with god and that's what and that's one i just wanted to quickly point out the deceptions of the new age the atheist is actually much easier to witness to because they say there is no god so if you introduce them to god it's like oh maybe there is the new ager says oh no me and god are cool we're fine i i interact with angels and god and this is one thing that i've told catholics like it's really weird because the new age uses saints. If you go into a new age store, you're going to see every mm-hmm. saint and their mom. You're going to see them marry statues. They're going to be praying to angels. So the same way the Catholic, and I know this broadcast isn't, you know, the Catholics exposed. That's another day. The same way the Catholic asks St. Peter for intercession. I mean, the new agers do too. Mm-hmm. There's, there's definitely a cross between, uh, how do I say, religion and the New Age movement and, and marrying those together in a real demonic way. So so the whole time you're you're actually believing in God as well while doing all this. So the New Age God can look like so many different things, and that's because it's entirely subjective. I like to say that New Age God is like Build-A-Bear, like because you just mm. sort of take bits and pieces of Every religion, including Christianity, you take bits and pieces of God from every different sort of religion, all these different ideologies and things that come from your own imagination and from your own heart that you would like God to be. And you create a -a Build-A-Bear God, your own cuddly little idol of who God is. And so it's not that New Age folks don't believe in God. It's that they believe in the idol in their mind that they've created of God which is, of course, not God at all, but the devil, and they don't realize that. And I actually got into many arguments or debates, friendly debates with my best friend, Alyssa, shares the same name as your wife, great name. Um, She has been my best friend since we were like three years old. I don't even remember meeting her. We've been friends for so long, but she was raised Christian, and I obviously was not. And so when we got into our adolescent young teenage years she started praying for my salvation and she prayed for my salvation right up until the end for 20 whole years and so i um would get into a lot of conversations with her and tell her that you know we believe in the same thing like i believe in god you believe in god (laughs) and like nope she's like no (laughs) like we really don't and she would try to challenge me on some of these topics And, you know, I remember one time specifically, she and I just talked about this on a podcast we did together, where she and I were having a conversation in my bedroom. And she was asking me what authority the books that I had, you know, what what authority those books that I was reading had. And I was saying, because it was all channeled books, I had this one book called Conversations with God, which is literally the same like thickness of a Bible. And it was this guy who claimed that he had channeled three different series of a conversation with God. And she was like, you know, what authority does that have? And I was like, well, because your relationship with God is personal. Um, Your relationship with God can come in many different forms. And I was like, well, what authority does the Bible have? And she was like the Holy Spirit. And I, I didn't really know what to say or how to, how to go from there. I had it in my mind that she was deceived, that she Mm. was lost, that she was dogmatic. And I had this, this, um, disposition of her for many years. There are so many times where I go back and I think about how I would say to my now husband, like, Alyssa doesn't get it. She's so judgmental. She's so this, she's so that she's so rigid. She's so boring. When in fact, 
she got it. Like she wow. was walking the narrow road. She had a, a a solid heart posture because it was the heart posture of Christ. And I was the one that was searching for th- cheap thrills. You know, I would get us into trouble going to like abandoned places that she didn't want to come to, but she would come with me. We would get in trouble, like things like that. I would bring her into my environment when I had like reckless parties where I would just get blackout drunk. She would come just to see me and then would leave. And I'd be like, Alyssa's so boring. She doesn't even drink. Like all, all these really, ironically judgmental things as i'm saying she's so judgmental wow and so that's kind of the mindset i i know that new agers have because i was one Mm. um they have this mindset that christians just genuinely do not know what they're talking about they have this mindset that christians are brainwashed when really we are we are the ones new agers are that are brainwashed yeah right we we've formed this trauma bond with satan and we think everyone else is brainwashed because we have stockholm syndrome and we're in love with our abuser we're literally in love with the devil and don't know it and so i thought my best friend was out of her mind when i was really the one that was out of my mind like i'm over here saying i'm an alien and i'm calling my best friend who's a christian crazy so that being said, I Just, always- you, you're saying you're an alien. You're you. I know in one interview you talked about how you were channeling aliens, and then your Christian friend was the crazy one. How did you get involved right. with your astrology podcast, channeling aliens, the Starseed Gospel? I mean, some some of you listen, guys. We all are like, this sounds crazy. Now I'm sure Angela, looking back, is like, wow, that stuff was crazy. But at the time, I mean, it wasn't crazy to you at the time. This was life. This was purpose. This was an answer to why am I on earth? And this is something everyone is asking. I used to be a self-proclaimed quote atheist. I was the worst worst atheist of all time. And I'll lay in bed and be like, there has to be more to life than this. And that is the the question every single human has had at one Mm -hmm. point or another. You just, everyone's finding it in a different place. You are now finding this in astrology and starseed and aliens and channeling aliens. Talk to us a little bit about how you got involved down that road. Again, I know this whole story is you going from thing to thing looking for what you finally found was in Christ. We're getting there. But talk to me a little bit about the road that you went down of astrology, aliens, and all of that stuff. Yeah, so I thought that was all a part of God, too, because I thought I thought God was in me. I thought God was source. That's something that New Agers say a lot is that God is universal source energy. And so before I get into the astrology, I have to talk about the Reiki because, again, all this stuff leads into each other. It's just like I'm going through in a really short amount of time, even though it feels long, year after year after year of like this thing and then that thing and then that thing and then that thing. So it was the medium, then the cards, then the crystals, then the yoga. Oh, now we're on the Reiki because that led to all the chakra, like the yoga led to all the chakras. And um, so Reiki, if anyone's not familiar with that term, it is energy healing. It is the demonic version of laying hands, basically. Um, And Reiki was um, made by, which is even weird to say, came from this guy um, in Japan who believed that, you know, again, we can channel source energy into ourselves and we, you know, the universe the God consciousness will heal somebody through us, like travel down through us in through our hands and onto this person. Um, so uh, again, the demonic laying of hands. And this is something that I started receiving 
after I was involved with the yoga practice um, because it's like, oh, my chakras are off. Why do I feel this pain in my chest? Oh, it's my heart chakra. It needs clearing. It needs cord cutting. Well, let me get some Reiki done. And this is when I started forming friendships with people. This is when I started having really intimate relationships with other new agers, which I'll get to later about how they rejected me super hard when I turned to Christ. Um, they were facilitating Reiki on me. I was facilitating Reiki on them. I went ahead and got my Reiki certification, which is so weird to think about that you can like become certified in energy healing when it's just like, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, like a non-physical it's... thing, but here's your certification for it that you paid for. Um, <laughs> when all you have to do is ask God to give you the Holy Spirit. Come on. Anyway, I, um, I decided I was going to have my own Reiki business at this point. Um, so I started having people come over and this, you know, this plays into the crystals. You see how this is all connected, right? So this plays into the crystals. I would have angel cards out, pick a card while you're here. Maybe that's what we need to focus on today. Maybe that's what the session needs to be about. And it was like a therapy session. Like I'd have them sit down on my couch, tell me what they need, what they're going through. So I could try and tune in. And I don't mean to use this like eh, voice, like, but when I look back, it sounds so silly to me. And yeah. like, I just, I don't know how else to portray it because it's just, it's sad and ridiculous. But so they'd sit on my couch and I'd have them go through what they're, what they're, what they need help with. And so they would lay down on the table. I would, I would, here's how you pray within the Reiki sense. You visualize, you visualize a white light in the room. So I would mentally set up four pillars of white light in every corner of the room. And then I would bind that, that, that all up with a, with an all encompassing white light. And then I would invite angels in. I would invite in Archangel Michael and Archangel Gabriel and Archangel Raphael and and just all the spirit guides, I would literally invite the person's spirit guides in. That's literally me saying, hey, demons, let's let's have a party. And like, wow. I would invite my grandma to help. I would invite Jesus. Everybody's getting I invited. Invite, I literally, <laughs> I would invite like Buddha. I would invite the Reiki masters of the past. Like, it, it was insane what I was doing. And People have asked me this too. Michael Knowles asked me this. Did it work? And the answer is yes, it works. It's demonic healing. It's the counterfeit mm. of laying on hands. So you feel it come through. You feel it come out of your hands. You feel it over top of the person. You can kind of like navigate the energy that way. And you're like supposed to swirl it around and do all these things and clear the chakras. And you get visual, you get visuals of of certain colors, and that kind of indicates like when something is clear or not. Really crazy, basically like hallucinating, like a psychedelic drug, which again, spiritual narcotics. That's why I always say that because these things are spiritual highs. Wow. Um. So you know, I was doing Reiki regularly, and my Reiki business never took off the way I wanted it to. Like COVID happened and all that. Uh, sorry to say that word. The thing oh, yeah. happened and um, that played a big factor in it, but it just never took off the way I wanted it to. And I was always so disappointed. And of course, it was always like, well, something's blocked within me. That's why it's not like so I have like an abundance block. I have a self-worth block. Again, the self-help thing. It's all this stuff is just like a big smorgasbord of new age propaganda of demonic deception. And so really what that was, was God's protection. And mm. I found out later that Alyssa 
when she found out that I was getting involved in all that stuff, she started praying not for my eyes to be open, but she started praying, Lord, protect her. And so now I, I start thinking back to all this stuff that never really happened the way I wanted it to. And I see now that was God answering her prayer and actually protecting me. Wow. My Reiki business never took off because he didn't want me to get so sucked into it that when I had to pull away, eventually I would have been in like a financial pickle or something. So his, it's really, really miraculous when I look back on my experience in new age and really my entire life. And I see the way that God was working for me, Come on. even when I hated him. Wow. And it makes me emotional because he loved me so much when I rejected him. And when I blasphemed him, when I, when I compared Jesus to Buddha, he was still waiting for me. He still died wow. for me, even in that. And so whoever's listening, if you were in that bondage, like he loves you so much and he died for you. Like he had you in mind specifically and he doesn't want you doing what you're doing. But anyway, I, um, so the Reiki eventually led to, well, okay, I'm getting Reiki. I'm doing yoga. And I want to say this is probably like 2017. Yeah. I'm getting Reiki. I'm doing yoga every day. I'm reading the self-help books. I have all these healing crystals. I sage my house. I do this. I do that. I eat healthy now, right? I'm at a healthy weight. I look better. I feel better. Why am I still depressed? Mm. So like, what's that about? Because I'm doing all of the things. I'm doing everything that I possibly can to make myself better spiritually, mentally, physically. Why am I still sad? I don't get it. So I'm up late Googling basically what's wrong with me. Um, and again, this is a time in my life where at that time I thought like I looked better than ever. I thought I was like at the top of my game with what I was doing work-wise at the time. And I was so attuned with my new group of friends and my yoga practice and getting my yoga cert and all these things. And so why am I sad? Like I'm Googling it. It's like three o'clock in the morning. Why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel lonely? And I, and I would type in like, why do I feel depressed? Spiritual. So like I wanted it to come through the lens of spirituality. And so I started finding this stuff about how it was basically like WebMD of spirituality. It's like, do you have these symptoms? Do you feel lonely? Do you feel isolated? Have you never quite fit in? Have you been bullied? Have you X, Y, Z, like always had this kind of undertone of despair, of homesickness? And I'm just like checking off the boxes. Yes, yes, yes. And I and I get to the bottom and it says, you could be a star seed. And I was like, wow, <laughs> um, that's a cool word. Like, what is that? Uh, it sounded cool. Who wouldn't want to be a star seed? Um, and I'm very at the time, like, I, this is before I dove deep into astrology, but I was very much so into like the celestial aesthetic, like moons and stars and things like that. So I was like, oh, a star seed. What's that? And I keep reading and it talks about how star seeds are essentially, I would like everyone to just bear with me through this. <laughs> star seeds are essentially light beings or aliens from other 
galaxies, other planets, star systems, such as Andromeda, Pleiades, Orion, all of that, um, that have made the decision based on their level of higher consciousness because they're they're in a higher dimension than our 3D. They have made the decision to come to planet Earth to ascend Gaia, which is what it's like the poly polytheistic god of the earth. It's it's Mother Nature Gaia. To ascend Gaia, our whole planet and everyone that inhabits her into 4D, 5D, 6D, 9D. So th- that's the idea is that these light beings come in as humans. Um, they choose to, they consciously choose to come in, choose their parents, choose their relationships, choose their lessons, because this goes back to like the idea of karma and reincarnation. Of course, it's all same source. It's all Satan. So it all kind of ties in together. Um, come in to ascend to the collective. And that's why, that's why I feel this way because I'm stuck in the third dimensional density of earth when I am actually used to the 90. Um, I, I'm not trying to laugh here. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm trying to keep a straight face. I mean, it's silly. Like it's crazy and it's heartbreaking that this is, think about how desperate of a place I was in that this is what made sense to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm reading this and um, I start reading more about it and it just seems to make all the sense in the world to me that, oh yeah, there's aliens walking among us as light workers, as light beings, basically angels incarnate, just walking around here to raise the consciousness of the planet and all the inhabitants on it. Because, of course, all the inhabitants need to be kind of keeping up with the ascension of of the planet. And so mm. that's going to come from a spiritual awakening. And um, when you compare that to the the... the to Jesus. Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? To bring salvation. So you you compare that to what is the starseed gospel? You yourself have come in to bring salvation. Wow. Talk about antichrist. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a complete antichrist agenda. This whole notion of light workers and starseeds, all of that stuff. It's 100% antichrist. Um, Then that's the spirit behind it. And I obviously didn't realize that. But what I did start to do was, again, it it, it fed that narcissism. And it hit that that need for a spiritual narcotic. I was like, Mm. oh, so I started to think that, oh, I chose this. Okay, I can deal with that. I can deal with that a lot better. I must be stronger than I think I am. It's it's a lot easier to think that I chose this life than it is just to be like, why wow. am I suffering like this? So I started to believe that, yeah, I chose my life. I chose these lessons. I chose these struggles because I was go- I was growing and I was helping other people grow into that next dimension, into that next level of consciousness where, of course, we're all going back to source. We're all going back to God. We're all finding our way back to God consciousness. So it was a self-savior complex, just like the self-help stuff. It was a self-savior complex where now I not only believe I'm 
saving myself, but I'm helping save the world. Um, and it gave me another sense of purpose. Like, oh, okay. So I need to do this. I need to struggle like this. I need to hurt like this. I need to feel my big feelings. I need to do shadow work, which is something in new age that they really perpetuate where it basically encourages you to make friends with your demons. I mean, that's wow. not even that's not even a paraphrase. It's straight up make friends with your darkness. You know, don't shy away from your darkness. Sit in your darkness. Wow. Allow your darkness to be there. Invite your darkness. You know, see what you can learn from your darkness. It invites you to be friends with your darkness. And so these are all things I just needed to do. I needed I needed these relationships. I needed these these circumstances. My mom, I needed the death of my grandma to happen all wow. for the sake of the collective ascension. And so, of course, the whole starseed gospel led to a deeper fascination with the stars, which led to astrology very easily because then I started realizing that I, if I created my own life, if I chose my own life, if I came in this way, then I chose my birth chart. So what does that look like? And so in the meantime, I'm seeing someone who at the who at that point in my life was like a spiritual sister. And she was quote unquote helping me astral project. She was helping me communicate with my Pleiadian family. And my Pleiadian guides, so the Pleiades is a constellation, um, and uh, that's where I was from. So and are you trying to get home? Or to, I'm, I'm not trying to laugh. I'm not trying to make light of it. I know you're like, just bear with me on this. Is the starseed thing, are you trying to like ascend home back to your planet? I mean, again, I'm not trying to make any joke or anything about it. What is the end goal with this whole thing that you're involved with, like with the starseed uh, astrology? I think... I think that's eventually like the the end the end thing of it is that like yeah I would go back home when I whenever I end up dying I, okay. my my light body would go back to the stars. Um so <laughs> um, I'm seeing Listen my people people are <laughs> I'm not trying to laugh. People are in this and when you come out of it you're like I mean I look back at some of the dumb stuff I did and I'm like how did I think that was fine? You know, dog returns to his vomit. A dog doesn't know it's eating vomit cuz it's a dog. It's normal to the dog and then you're born again. So you can look back and kind of just be like, "Wow, I can't believe I was deceived." But there is there's truthfully a lot of people that are involved in astrology even right now as Christians. Like some people in the chat right now are saying, "Yeah, I had a hard time giving up astrology or I'm on the verge of having a hard time." Is this starseed thing what got you into deeper into astrology? Yeah, 100%. Um, so I, I came to understand that I chose my birth chart. So I wanted to know what my birth chart was. And turned out I was a I was a Gemini sun and Aries moon and a Capricorn rising. And that started to make sense of like why I am the way that I am, why I have these specific traits, why I have these specific patterns, these specific hardships, these specific relationships you know, these specific struggles and these specific desires, it made sense of everything for me. Wow. And back to validating sin, it validated my sin because it was giving me an excuse as to why I was the way that I was. It's just, that's just 
who you are according to the stars. Wow. That's who you are according to the planets. That's who you are according to the sun and the moon. And so there is an encouragement with astrology to kind of work through that again, shadow work to kind of work through those things. But at the end of the day, it's like you get really angry and you explode on someone, you curse at them, you yell at them. It's like, oh, sorry, I'm an Aries. And it's just, oh, okay, great. You know, um, so astrology became like the number one thing very quickly because it was so fascinating because it's totally self-obsessive. I mean, it was, it was like, it just gave me, like I said, an answer for everything. And just, it, it completely astounded me that there were, that there were explanations for things going on in my life. And I was like, how can this chart determine that? How can these interpretations actually know what's going on with my life and what my patterns look like? Like, that's crazy. This must be true. And, um, just because something, I want to say this, just because something is accurate doesn't make it the truth, like mm. the capital T truth. And like I said, Satan can only predict what Satan is going to do. And so your birth chart is Satan's plan for your life. Wow. And as long as you continue down that road, you're following what Satan wants wants you to do and what Satan wants you to be. Um. If I had followed, kind of jumping ahead, but if I had followed what astrology told me to do, I wouldn't be married right now to the man that's my husband because our astrology was incompatible. Wow. But guess who my astrology was compatible with? Oh, it was compatible with the toxic guy who was also in a relationship at the time that we met, who I thought was something called my twin flame, which is just like another new age thing. And it's essentially a soul tie. Like... Your twin flame is supposed to be like your long lost soulmate from the universe that you're both, it's your twin. So it's like, you're both the same energy that like split when you came into earth. It's ridiculous. But if I listened to astrology, that's where my life would have, that's the path my life would have led. If I listened to the tarot cards, the tarot cards always told me to leave the man that's now my husband. Every wow. single time I drew the cards. It was always like this relationship is in turmoil. This relationship is in trouble. It was always validating like my worst fears. And it was always validating like there's somebody else out there. Because like I said, at the very beginning, I grew up without a dad. And so I've always had like a convoluted, mm. I, you know, this, this weird need for the male approval, especially when I lost weight that only grew. And I wanted, I just wanted attention from every dude because I never had it before and I never had it from a father figure. Wow. And of course I didn't know my father in heaven. And so if I could get attention from any guy, that was great for me. Even if he's the most, in fact, the more toxic he is, the better. Wow. And the tarot cards always affirmed that the astrology always made sense of that. And so it was like, I was able to alleviate myself of the things that I knew were wrong. The things that I knew we're really against what I deep, deep down knew was best for myself. You know, the actual made in the image of God part of me that knew intrinsically somewhere. It was buried in muck and mire, but it was there that knew I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't act like this. I shouldn't hurt people who care about me, who really love me. But the astrology confirmed it. The tarot cards affirmed it. 
And with the astrology, I that kind of led to me wanting to just it's all a snowball, I keep saying, wanting to just get deeper and deeper. And so the moon, right? So I got obsessed with the moon. Um because the moon is always changing. And so there's the new moon and then there's the full moon and there's the phases in between. And then there's the entire moon cycle from, from the new moon, the full moon is the halfway point, And then it comes back eventually to the new moon. So that whole period is like four months or four weeks. So it's a month. And then that's like the Zodiac seasons. There's 12 Zodiac seasons, basically one a month. And so I started to live my life in such a way that was attuned to the zodiac wheel that was attuned to the moon cycles so i'll just use an example very as basic as i can think of aries is the first sign of the zodiac so if it was aries season that meant an initiation period this is a great time to begin something and let's say you know you're in you're in Aries season and there's a new moon at the same time in I don't know um there's a new moon I don't know when they fall anymore but we'll say that there's a new moon in Leo for example so that means at the same time we're starting something new and because Leo is all about the self and about boosting the self and about confidence this is a great time for you to do something to boost your confidence, to boost your appearance, to step on the to step into the spotlight. And so that's how I really started to live my life was how wow, can I exhausting just constantly 100%. How can I just shape shift into whatever zodiac season I'm in, whatever moon cycle I am in so that I can be attuned and that was, you know, the word I can be attuned to the moon, I can be attuned to the stars, to the zodiac wheel and thus kind of manifest the best for myself and understand if I was going through something really hard, oh, it's because Mercury's in retrograde or, you know, oh, it's a full moon. So you might be feeling extra emotional. And so what what I started to do was um, host moon circles with that core group of friends that I had mentioned, where every new moon, this is every two weeks, every new moon and every full moon, we would gather and we would do a ceremony. It's nothing short of a witch covenant, what we were doing. The new moons would be more about setting intentions. So we would sit in a circle around a bunch of crystals and candles, and there would always be a tarot deck circling all the crystals. Sometimes we would have money or personal objects in the center of the altar, basically, and we would always pull cards. And so we would sit around and we would, like I said, with Reiki, we would call in our light guides, our spirit guides. We would invite the angels in. We would invite whoever wanted to be there in, essentially, our our deceased loved ones in, um, set the room up in white light for protection. And, you know, to that point, it's really interesting is that with all these new age practices, you always have to set yourself up for protection. And it's like, yeah. no one really ever talks like, hmm, about that. What are we protecting ourselves from? Literally. It's like, no one ever really talks about, it's like, what, what do we actually have to protect ourselves from? And it's because there, there's just like an intrinsic, even if it's not an aware knowing, there's an intrinsic knowing, oh, there's, there's evil that yes. could come from this. And so it's like this, this subconscious thing where we have to make sure there's white light. It's like, as if, 
as if as if a demon that has been here since the dawn of time is a isn't afraid of an imaginary white light you set up around the room um, or a crystal or sage. So we're always setting this up and then we sit around and basically we would just share what's going on, what we're trying to manifest, whatever the case may be. And the thing that was always interesting about these moon circles and then the full moon was always about releasing. So what's always interesting about these circles is that I was always the one losing it. I was always the one weeping it became a joke with my friends like it's angela's turn everyone pushed the tissue box over like i would just sit there and weep i would feel this ache in my chest i would cry and cry and cry and cry like the whole time that i was sharing and i would always share about how hard things are about how i'm having all these doubts in my relationship with who's now my husband I'm having all these doubts in my relationship and I don't know why because he's so good and he's so he's so loving and I love him so much. Like, why am I doubting it? Why do I want to pursue men that are bad for me? Why am I sad? Why aren't things getting better? Why do I always feel this ache? Why this? Why that? Why are things hard? Always the one losing it. Whereas other people maybe sometimes had good things to say. I was always the one losing it. And that was a that was a routine and that was something else I got addicted to because it felt like cathartic for me to be able to sit there and cry around a group of women and get that out every two weeks. So there's another spiritual narcotic for me. Wow. Um, I was really obsessed with astrology and then I decided that – so it got, it got to the point with our new moon circle – or new and full moon circles where I wanted to go deeper. Okay, so this is where the moon is, but what's Jupiter doing? What's Mercury doing? What's Saturn doing? Um, what's where's you know, where's um even like some of the uh asteroids and things like that? Like, where are they? So I started going deeper into this and analyzing that, and I would share with my friends, like, here's this and this and this. So these are other things to consider as we manifest. And the moon circles got longer and longer, and it did get to a point where they were like, We have to cut, like, we have to start going back to how it was. Like we can't do all this because it essentially became my own talk show where I'm sitting there giving these astrological reports. And so that's how Moon and Back was born. I decided I'm going to, this is my starseed calling. I'm going to help people self-heal. I'm going to walk everyone home on the self-healing journey. That was my slogan with astrology, with the moon cycles. I'm going to teach people about about the new moon in cancer, what that means for them, what they can do with it, how that affects their their 12th house of whatever and what that means in relation to their childhood and what it's going to mean for them in the next month or so. And I'm going to do the same thing with the full moons. And so I had a biweekly podcast where I was releasing these these moon reports. And then at the beginning of every Zodiac season, I would release a report on the Zodiac season itself and what the themes were and what we could do X, Y, Z self-savior complex, like I said. And it was the kind of thing where I would just like go into my little demon cave is what I call my old room, my little demon cave. And I would sit there for hours and hours and hours and hours and just be reading all of these different books about astrology and be learning so many different things. And I started to think I was cool. Like it, it was like, wow, I have all this hidden knowledge. I'm so cool. I have all these secret revelations from the universe. Um, 
I became known as like the astrology girl. Like people would come up to me and be like, like if we're at work, Angela, what's the moon doing today? I feel bad, you know, stuff like that. Or if I met someone new, I would, I would guess their Zodiac sign. And it uh, it was so cool because I was always right. Like things like that. Um, I was getting basically demonic insight when I would meet people about their birth chart. And, um, I was able to break things down about them that they're like, how do you know that? And it's because of the astrology that became my thing. I was, I was enamored with it. I loved my podcast. And I, like I said, at the beginning, I worked really hard to build it. I was paying for ads. I was promoting it like crazy and it, it had traction, but nowhere near what heaven and healing does, which is my new podcast if I did not mention that, that's my podcast just for the ministry of Jesus Christ. So you went Christ. from, what was it called? Moon and back? Moon and back to heaven and healing. So, and that yeah. was a clip you guys saw in the beginning of her saying, I don't want, and you guys can go back and watch it later because there's over 3,000 people on now. So a bunch of them didn't see it. Maybe we'll play it at the very end, but it was her saying, I'm done with Reiki. I'm done with yoga. I'm done with crystals. I'm changing the podcast. How did you get to that point? Tell us about your salvation experience and then i want to also because the chat's been asking this whole time about did you go through any deliverance what was your thoughts on that getting free from these things tell us about now how did you meet god where was that experience at and and what took place there so um i didn't know what deliverance was but i did when the second i called out to jesus i had an immediate deliverance of depression mm. and that came because as i had mentioned in the beginning i self-harmed in high school and I always struggle with depression in high school, college years, even throughout my new age journey, which is what led me to the star seed thing. Like, why am I still sad? And so now it's at a place in my life where I was 27. Yeah, I was 27 at the time. So this is around, think, uh, like between July 2021, two years ago. Wow. Okay. July 2021 and um, September 2021, where I am feeling more depressed than I had felt in a really long time. Wow. And it was scaring me. And I relapsed self-harm when I hadn't done that since I was in college. So it's at this place in my life where I'm like, I'm a few years shy of 30 years old. And I'm cutting myself, and I'm sorry to be so like explicit with saying that, and I'm cutting myself like I'm in high school again, like blasting all time low in my ears, or like I'm in college again. And I don't get it because I'm doing it all. Now I have the astrology. I have the star seed gospel. I didn't call it that at the time, but that's what it is. I have the star seed gospel. I had Reiki. I was now living in my own space with the man that's now my husband, which, you know, I now know we shouldn't have done, but I didn't know better then. Um, I was living in my own space. I finally had my own, my own place to call my own home. I had just got two new kittens. Like that was really happy for me. I was, I was pursuing this podcast. I was pursuing my yoga career. I was pursuing my Reiki career. I was healthy. All these, you know, objectively good things around me were going on. I had a job that I, that I enjoyed and I was in a loving relationship, even though I was rejecting it. Um, I had good friends. Um, 
a good mom, like all these things. And I'm still miserable. Wow. And I don't know why. So it, it's like every night I was driving home from work. I was a server. I still am. This is back when I lived in Pennsylvania. I'm in Tennessee now. So driving home every night after my job, just crying in the car, crying, 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 get home, sit in my car for like 20 minutes before I go inside and just cry, just let it out. Then go inside. Everything's fine. Smoke my weed. I can't believe I haven't even mentioned that yet. I Yeah, I smoked weed the whole time, like from the age of... I started smoking weed after my grandmom died and then I kept smoking weed. So I would go every night. It's like my nightly bowl pack. Um, I wasn't one of those people that smoked all throughout the day. I could never do it because it made me tired. But it was always like my nightly bowl pack was the thing that I looked forward to, just that relief. And I want to say this before I forget, every single night I would go to bed paranoid and I know and I realize now that the paranoia that comes from weed is because there's literally demons in the room. Like that's wow. not just like a that's not just like an effect. It's there's demons there. And I would always go to bed kind of scared. And I didn't know why I well, I kind of came to the understanding. This is what I told myself that, oh, my light guides are in the room. My angels are in the room. And because their frequency is higher than mine, I'm not used to it. So it feels uncomfortable. Like that's what I would tell myself. But there were demons in the room with me. Wow. Not just from the weed, but from all the new age stuff. But anyway, I digress that point for now. I would smoke my weed, go inside. And there was this one day and this happened in September of 2021 where I was home alone and I was so sad. Like I... I was I was so sad that that I was thinking about suicide, which, you know, I had kind of played with the ideation on and off. But in the new age, they teach you that suicide ideation is just a spiritual awakening symptom. So it's okay to feel that. Um. So I'm like, well, I don't want to go through another spiritual awakening. You know, I don't want to go through another one of the dark nights of the soul where I just have to hit a breaking point in order to reach my next level of evolution. That's what the, the, these are like the sick things that the new age teaches you to just facilitate your sadness and and just grow deeper in your depression and despair. And so I'm like, I don't want to do that again. I, I just don't want to. I feel I feel like I'm I'm at the end of my rope. And um, I I was just crying and crying and crying. I dropped to the floor. And I was on the kitchen floor and it was daytime. And I was like in my gym clothes. Like it's like such a vivid memory. Um, and Psalm 42, 7 says deep calls out to deep. I didn't, I didn't know why I said this, but that verse explains why. I said, Jesus, save me. Wow. It just, it, it's, it's like such a beautiful thing that he did for me. Like I, I daily ask him like why me you know because it's like i was so unworthy of that grace and to receive that beautiful gift and he just gave it to me anyway like he met me right there and that day you know i i kind of calmed down and i got up and um the rest of the day wears on and then i wake up the next day and something is just like tangibly different like I, and i I'm wondering why that is. I'm not really thinking of the fact that I called out to Jesus at this point um, because I didn't really understand the gravity of what I was doing when I did it, but something was different. And 
as the days wore on, I started noticing that stuff I was doing didn't feel the way it used to. And on my Instagram, randomly, like suggested posts would come up where it would be like, yoga is demonic. Wow. And tarot cards are demonic and crystals are demonic and astrology is demonic. And uh, I was like, what is this? So, you know, I'm always been like 2020 really woke me up to be the kind of person that wants to know the truth and doesn't write things off just because they trigger me. So I looked, I was looking at it um, because I, again, I'm not going to write it off just because it triggered me, which it did. I was like, that's ridiculous, but I read it anyway. And stuff like that just started coming up on my feed, on my Instagram. And I found myself beginning to ask my best friend questions, my Christian best friend, like texting her randomly, like, what does the Bible say about this or that or whatever? And so around this time in September, 2021, I did, like I said, I always believed in God. And I was very aware that there was a battle of good versus evil, but I was kind of like in that whole like QAnon psyop thing at the time where, where I was thinking of it more on like a secular playing field. And as far as the spiritual realm went, it was again, like the light workers versus the dark workers. So I became curious about what the Bible says in regard to the spiritual warfare that was like so prevalent around us um, at that time, especially 2020 and 2021. And this pl- that played a part in my testimony because I wanted, I genuinely wanted to know. And that was the first time I was curious about what the Bible said about anything. And so I remember she was over at my house and we were talking about certain things. And um, she was saying that the Bible kind of lays out the foundation of what's going to happen in the end times. And I was like really fascinated by that. I couldn't kind of comprehend that there had been something that says like what's going on is was actually written in wow. the Bible. Um, and so that's going on while at the same time I'm having all this stuff come up about astrology being demonic, yoga being demonic. And um, I'm thinking about call how I called out to Jesus and how I that that feeling that burden of sadness lifted Mm. and I it's I can't I still to this day I can't explain it um well I guess I can it's the it's the peace that surpasses all understanding that the Bible talks about it was different it was different and that's how I started to think to myself like I don't know what I did but this is the first thing that is making a tangible sort of healing. And it wasn't the kind of healing that I had in Reiki where it was like a high and I felt great. And then I would crash. It was just, I, oh, I remember using the word sound a lot. And that's before I knew in the Bible that it says, God gives you a sound mind. It was, I kept telling people, I feel sound. I can't explain it, but I feel sound. It's like, there's not chaos in my brain. It's like how I talked about having those doubts about the man that's now my husband, those went away. The depression went away. And there was just like, it's like before it was like a bunch of waves over and over and over and over waves breaking, waves breaking. And then after the Jesus save me moment, it was just like the middle of the ocean, just like stillness. It was just like stillness and peace. 
And so what I did at this point was start going to church. I went with my best friend. And this is actually like a cool little tidbit that I didn't know until a couple months ago when Jesus Revolution came out. My pastor at Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia came out of the Jesus movement. Wow. Um, and he would always talk about how, like, when I told him I came out of New Age, he was like, me too. And, like, I, I didn't make that connection until very recently. But it's funny how the domino effect of the Lord. Um, he, when I first went to that church, it was, like, very different from my Catholic upbringing because it's like, this guy, you know, he's dressed like a guy that you would imagine a man in his in his seventies or eighties that came out of the Jesus movement would look like. Like he had on like a like a long shirt, not tucked in, and he had on like khakis, and he's just kind of like standing with like with little bit of a, a swagger up on up at the podium, like, and he's going off about about the world and how it's corrupt and how it's Satan. And I had never heard anyone from the pulpit be so passionate because I went to Catholic school when I was very yeah. young. And so I was like, whoa, this is neat. Like, this is cool. I like this. Um, but I was still in a place where I was sort of straddling the fence of new age. Um, I had very much, I was like, cool, Jesus helped me. I'm ready to let Jesus in. But it was almost like, well, Jesus is now like a tool almost like he's in my in my arsenal of spiritual my 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 spiritual buffet basically like he's there now so i know i i know i have him but i also still have my yoga and i still have my astrology and i still have my reiki i can do all of the things just with jesus there now too and you know what i can implement the bible as well maybe i'll start reading some scripture before i do my yoga practice so that actually became a thing i did from um september 2021 to december 2021 was i would read scripture before i did yoga wow um, and i so me and my me and my now husband we got engaged in this time period and while we were away i started to really get convicted of things and i remember one night sitting on a balcony with him and I was like crying my eyes out. And I was like, this isn't easy for me. Cause he was, he was like kind of astounded what I was going through. He was agnostic at the time. So he did not get it. He was like, what do you talk? Like he was kind of happy for me, but it, it we'll get to it in a minute, how it got to be too much for him, but he was kind of happy for me, but he was also like, what do you like when I, when I would say demonic, he'd be like, what do you mean? Like I, yoga's demonic that's that's a stretch like your crystals you what do you mean and i was just crying and i was like this isn't easy for me but i have to admit that i'm wrong about it. i think i'm wrong about everything like i really do think yoga's wow. demonic i really do think the tarot cards are evil um the astrology was the last thing for me to let go of i the podcast clip you played just two weeks before that one i released my last ever moon report and I tried really hard. I even implemented Bible verses in that episode because I was trying to have God be the forefront and the focus. It was no longer about like the self-healing journey. It was like, let's figure out God's plan for you with astrology. And so wow. I I was taking Bible verses out of context, like Genesis 114, 
God, you know, gave us the sun and the moon for signs and seasons. I was like, zodiac signs. Great. Um, and I, and I said to my friend Kevin on Instagram, I, I remember messaging him around December and I said, Hey, you know, you talk a lot about the Bible and I just want to say like, is it really bad to do astrology? Is it, is, I mean, like, can't you just do astrology in such a way that honors the Lord? Like, think about how he gave us the sun and he gave us the moon. Like, aren't there purposes for that? And he messaged me back and he said, look, I'm just going to be real with you. Like astrology is a sin of divination and it is demonic. Wow. And he sent me Isaiah 47 where the Lord's addressing Babylon and telling them like, you know, go basically go let your astrologers save you. They won't. Wow. They're going to burn in their own fire. And I read that verse. And, and I just like really poorly paraphrased, but I read that verse and I felt the Holy spirit, the conviction of the Holy spirit and that godly sorrow wash over me. And I just started silently crying to myself, me and my then fiance were literally out playing pool. And he looks at me and he's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, like I couldn't speak. It was just this this feeling of overwhelm of like it was the first time I recognized I was a sinner. I'll say that. Wow. It was the first time I recognized sin. And it was really a lot. It it was a lot for me to to reckon with. And that's when that was the moment I knew, you know, I had I had been slowly letting go of everything else. It was like, okay, I can let go of the cards. They're just cards. I can let go of the crystals. They're just rocks. But the astrology, that's me. Like, that's my identity. That's my thing. And it was that moment where I knew no more. Come on. Like, over, like I was straddling the fence, but I was over the fence. Like, the devil lost me that day. Come on. And um, the next morning, I got up and I went to the gym. And I remember on my way to the gym, I called my best friend. And I'm crying my eyes out. And I was like... Alyssa, I have to, st I have to quit. I'm like frantic. I'm like, I have to, I have to throw this all away. I have to burn all, I have to burn it all. It's before I even knew like that they did that in acts. I was like, I have to burn all the cards. I have to burn all the tapestries. I have to burn all the books. I have to get rid of all the crystals and I can't do yoga anymore. I can't do astrology anymore. I have to, I have to tell, I have to tell my podcast. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what's going on. And she, when we talk about that, she said that that day she was just like laying on the couch and she literally fell over and just like fell to her knees and started rejoicing and worshiping because it was the fruit of her two decades worth of prayer um, being realized. Um, she had told me later in the podcast we just did together, I asked her if she ever had kind of like a prophetic revelation from the Lord that I would be saved. And she told me there was this one night a year before that happened where she was on her way home from one of my parties where I had gotten so blackout drunk, she had to tuck me in and she was just heartbroken for me where she's crying on the way home and praying. And she said that she heard in the back of her head, she's going to be fine. And wow, she just stopped crying and felt peace. And then there I am a year later calling her up, telling her I, I'm not doing this anymore. And so this is all December, 2021. I make that episode, that clip you just played. I recorded that episode and it was hard. 
Um, but that was like my public, I'm renouncing it all. I'm renouncing the astrology as before I even, again, I didn't know what deliverance was. I never knew anything about that. I just knew, you know, the most important thing that I had sinned against God and that I had found salvation in Christ and I wanted everyone else to know too. So I, I, I released that episode. I said, I'm done with moon and back. I don't know what I'm going to do in the future, if anything at all. All I know is that I love Jesus. He's the answer. He's what I've been searching for this entire time. Come on. And he's not just another phase. Like he is the rock. Everything else has been sand the entire time and quicksand at that because I sunk deep and it always suffocated me, but he is the rock and I found the rock and it's Jesus Christ. And I was telling everyone, you know, how all I was all of a sudden getting revelation after revelation, like the Lord revealing to me kind of the inconsistencies and the fallacies of the beliefs of the new age, you know, something that's really popular, my truth, live your truth. Yeah. We're all living our truth. It was like overnight where the Lord showed me that is a farce. Like truth by definition is unwavering. You can't have my truth and your truth. There is one truth. There is the truth and it is Jesus. And I realized that everything in the new age, everything that I was preaching and doing and believing was entirely self-refuting. It's all self-refuting. And actually, the new age mindset, like it has to borrow from the Christian worldview in order to assert itself. It's a house of cards. It has nothing to stand on. And whenever I do get into a debate with maybe one of my old friends or just someone online that has something to say every single time, and it's not because I'm being mean, they back themselves into a corner by talking in circles because they will say things such as well christianity you know is not true christianity is it's not the only way and then say things like i have my truth and and you have your truth and then i say to them but how do you know your truth is true how can how can you say that christianity is not true if we all have our own truths and they can't answer that question because my truth is a farce. Again, like I say, it's a house of cards. It just falls. You just, it's so fragile and it just fall. It collapses in on itself. The second you meet it with anything that is absolute. And that's the thing about Christianity that I began to appreciate almost immediately was the consistency of it. Yes. There was nothing about Christianity that I was learning or being presented that needed like an overcomplicated kind of like loop around in circles explanation for things. It was straightforward. It made sense. It was logical. And I just thought to myself when I first got saved, I remember thinking to myself, it took me so long to get here. Like mm. it, it was, it was down every other rabbit hole. It was like maze after maze, just an endless demonic labyrinth that I could not get myself out of. But something I want to say as a word of encouragement is 
you had said, Isaiah, that it's kind of easier to preach. You think it's easier to witness to an atheist. Whereas in, in some ways, I know what you mean, but I think in other ways, the new age heart is tender. Wow. It's tender because it does want truth. It's just looking in all the wrong places. And so it doesn't happen every time. Trust me, it still hasn't happened with my old friends that I pray with every day that think I'm a whack job. But for Pete, for, for, for some like me, that, that soil that was fertile in my heart because I was, I was searching for truth. I wanted truth. I was seeking truth. And so the gospel pierced my heart because it was already tender. And I think a lot of the time in my experience, at least the agnostic heart, because my, my husband, it's weird to say that now, my husband was agnostic and his heart was very hard. Mm. I could not pierce it. Whereas with me, I was so, my heart was tender. It was ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ and praise God for that. From that point forward, you know, I, I started telling my friends in my new age circle, like, this is what happened to me. And they thought they were, they would say like, oh, Angela found another thing. It's just, you know, she just goes really hard. You go really, they were gaslighting me. They're like, you go really hard for one thing and you just get really passionate. This isn't like the universal answer to things. And it was like really extinguishing my flame. And um, my now husband was doing the same thing which was so and I want to and I do want to say this in case anyone's curious and I'll get there but yes he's a believer now which is why Come we're married on. yeah um I'll get there but he never cared like the entire time I was in new age he never like batted an eye to anything I was doing it was fine it was just like me doing my thing he's just like supporting it whatever he didn't believe in it he didn't really participate in it. He wasn't into it, but he didn't care. He didn't care that I had crystals. Like you said, it looked like a mine in my house. It literally did. He didn't care that there were crystals anywhere or everywhere. He didn't care that I had astrology tapestries up, that we had like these mirrors of the moon phases that I had on Buddha heads on the wall that I, I mean, my house was l- literally like a demonic shrine. It was like new age stuff everywhere. He never cared. It did not phase him at all. When I came to Jesus and I made the decision, I want to throw my crystals away. He got so protective over the crystals. He was like, what do you mean you want to throw the crystals away? And I was like, you have not cared about these things ever once. And then I wanted to throw them away. And he was like, you can't do that. It was it was the craziest thing to witness. And then like I'm taking all the stuff off the walls. He thought I was being really extreme. That's what he kept saying. Like, I was like, I'm taking this all over to Alyssa's and I'm going to burn it all. Like she had set up a bonfire. I was like, I'm burning everything. Like I had trash bags and trash bags full of stuff that I took to her house. And I do have a video of that on my Instagram. If anyone's curious, um, trash bags full of the stuff at my house. And it's like thousands of dollars of, of statues, of books, of, of decor, of the crystals, it was so heavy. All, my trunk was just like jam-packed with all of this junk. And 
I was telling people online, I was getting rid of it. And one of my old friends was like, just give it to me. And I was like, I told her, like, I'm not dealing a demon to you. Wow. And she thought I was being ridiculous, of course. But um, yeah, my husband got really, really upset. And then I started putting crosses up on the wall and he hated it. And like I said, he never cared about anything else. He never cared. He never had one word of protest about any decoration I ever wanted to put up. When I wanted to put crosses on that wall, he was like, I don't want my house to look like a church. Um, Why do we have to do this? Why are you doing that? Why does there have to be a scripture on the wall? Like, it was, it was just like constantly we were always at each other's throats. He was really at my throat. I kind of was recognizing what was happening. I would always, you know, tell... Um, because I at this point I did sort of have a little bit of friendships that uh, friendships that I was forming online people that came to find me after my initial testimony came out and I was telling them that you know whatever demons are around or that he has they are so mad because the Holy Spirit is here now he never cared about any of that other stuff because it wow. was just like it was just like like I kept saying like a demon party that's why he never cared because it was just live and let live. Now it's like Jesus steps into the room and there's a problem. Mm. There's a big problem. And he fought me tooth and nail on it. You know, I told him I needed to be abstinent. He did not understand why he thought he took it really personally. That was really hard. Our relationship went through a lot in, in those nine months before he got saved. And um, <laughs> it's really crazy to look back on. There were many times where, I did feel like I need to walk away, but God would always like supernaturally reveal to me in some way, just like he did with my friend Alyssa, that I would be saved. There were little things that God would drop that would show me he's mine. Like I got him. He's mm. he's going to get it. Just be patient, you know, love him the way Jesus would. And that's kind of what I would always tell myself was that I needed to love him the way Jesus would, which was with patience and with grace. That's good. And recognizing that he doesn't know better. And now I do. So I have to act from the heart posture of knowing better and just kind of let him honestly go off the rails. He got he got deep into drinking and just really bad, bad habits um, like the demons took over basically. And we, we did almost break up. There was this one time, like I said, there were moments where God would reveal to me that he would be saved. And this is one of the biggest of all, where I prayed this really arbitrary prayer one time. And I said, Lord, if he is your plan for me, just set us up in Tennessee. And, um, I was praying every day for his salvation, but I had never prayed for anything like that. It was just something we had always talked about was moving to Tennessee together and starting a life in Tennessee because we were sick of Pennsylvania and all of these things. And I prayed that. And then literally like a month later, he got offered a job that he didn't apply for in Tennessee. Wow. And I remember thinking to myself, like, Lord, what are you doing? And, um, of course I was still struggling knowing we were unequally yoked. I knew I could not marry him 
in the way things were. Um, mm. Not because I didn't love him, because it was really the first time where, as I mentioned, I had always struggled with lust and daddy issues, basically, just having these, chasing these toxic men. And when I found the Lord, my 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 peace with being with him was tenfold. And then it became not, do I want to be with him? It was, Lord, I want to be with him so much and I don't want him to go to hell. Please save him. Mm. Like it went from my own anxiety of, am I fulfilled in this relationship? Am I, am I blah, 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 to, I need him to be fulfilled in Jesus now, please. And I prayed every day for his salvation. He ended up going to Tennessee several months before me. And God was just like constantly like knock, 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 like would not leave him alone. He says, cause he, he is like such a, a, a big sense of humor. And he said that it felt like God was like hunting him down, um, it was just sign after sign after sign after sign. Like, and then it got to a point where he would engage and be like, okay, if it's really you do this. And then boop, it would happen. Amazing. And he said it, it started, it started to freak him out a little bit. Like it was just all the time. And he was starting to realize like, wow, Jesus is real and God is real. And he said that the several times I did take him to church up in Pennsylvania at Calvary, where our pastor would do altar calls that he said he felt that thumping in his heart. And then the pastor would say, if you feel a thumping in your heart, that's Jesus knocking at the door, just answer. And he said he felt that that the Holy Spirit would tell him, just go up, just wow. go up. And he, and he would just fight it. And he would fight it every time. And I learned that later. And he had a really radical encounter with the Holy Spirit, actually, um, one of the nights when I did go through a deliverance and I know your audience was asking about that and I can share some of that. Um, so were I had went real through... quick when you got saved, were you, and maybe I misread it, were you, did you become like cessationist reform or did you believe in the gifts? You just never functioned them or you believed in the supernatural <laughs> deliverance? Cause I, when I messaged you the first time I got, I got the thought I could have been wrong because the people I saw you around and doing ministry with, I'm like, oh, she must be like reformed or cessationist and think I'm crazy because I believe in deliverance and miracles and all that. Did I misread that? Or were you, were you going down that road of like, oh, I don't know if this is all for today or not? Um, so yeah, I was definitely like a cessationist and I actually had never heard of you until I started seeking out if I was right or not about that. Okay. Um, so I... I was kind of just, I was so scared of being deceived yeah. again because I had been deceived for the last decade plus. And um, I just didn't want that to happen again. And so I, I was kind of, I don't want to say making a mistake, but I was being very juvenile in, taking what everyone else said and not necessarily matching it to the word. And I didn't know the word well enough. Mm. Um, so when, when people that I respected who had also come from the same place I yes. came from were saying, you know, you know, showing videos of maybe somebody um, falling over because the glory of God falls on them. Like that's demonic, like, or, or showing somebody, somebody like shaking when it's like manifesting a demon or something 
that's the kundalini spirit so it was just like all these things where i was like oh okay so there's new age in the church too um and i was like all right well nothing i don't want anything to do with whatever this looks like yeah so i just i didn't like actively pursue um a heresy hunt or anything like that because i was just so in love with jesus and that's really all i cared about was just i just want to i just want to know jesus better which is ironic <laughs> but um i just want to know jesus better so i'm just going to read my bible and um just kind of get all this head knowledge and make sure because I, I really did get into apologetics almost right away because i wanted to really be able to have conversations with people like my then fiance who was agnostic with people like my old new age friends i wanted to be able to like intellectualize to yeah. them why jesus made sense when the truth is my coming to jesus was like the most supernatural experience of my life it didn't make sense mm. i literally told you i couldn't explain it laying on the floor crying saying jesus save me not knowing why i said that the next day i don't have depression anymore that's supernatural like yeah. that's nothing i can intellectualize to anybody and same thing with my husband his experience completely supernatural it was like a, it just washed over him the knowing and 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 that that revelation knowledge that oh it's jesus even if I don't want it to be, it's Jesus. And 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 every testimony I've ever heard, yours, it, it, they're supernatural yeah. experiences. They're nothing you can intellectualize. But I've always been someone, I like to talk, as we know, two hours in, I like to talk. <laughs> I have my own podcast. I really like to write. So just being able to talk through the logic of Jesus was was cool for me and um, yeah. don't get me wrong it still is like i think apologetics are important because we're commanded to love god with all of our mind as well and i think that's where apologetics play a really crucial role in that um being able to to kind of defend your faith in that sense know what you're talking about in in that sense um not that you have to be perfect but it doesn't hurt to study anyway that's really really was my first year was the apologetic realm not that there's anything wrong with it. I'll just repeat that over and over. Um, and just kind of, you know, not, it's not that I, I never really learned anything about the the spiritual gifts. I, I didn't, there was nothing like coming up. It was just me. It was just me being told that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And as a like, new Christian, you weren't, you weren't versed in it. So you just thought, oh, these ex new agers are cessationists or they're saying the gifts aren't for today. Deliverance isn't for today, but you hadn't been versed enough to be like, oh, everywhere Jesus, when he cast out demons, oh, all the disciples cast out demons. Oh, every believer can, oh, the book of Acts. You know, I tell cessationists that I'm like, it carries through the book of Acts and the early church and the early church fathers. But when you're new, and you're afraid of being deceived again, I can see why you'd be anti-deliverance or anti-miracles or anti-manifestations. And there is some, if we're just clear, there is some hyper-charismatic stuff that I would right. say like, no, we don't do that. That's weird. There's manifestations. But at the end of the day, I tell people all the time, God did a lot weirder things in scripture than even sometimes I'm comfortable with. Like if you look at Ezekiel, God pulled him up by the hair and brought him into the temple and was carrying him around by the hair. So I'm like, there's a, I could go on and on about all the weird stuff that happened in scripture, but I think yeah. we want to make God sanitized and make him put him in our box and make him not uncomfortable and be comfortable with him. But how did you get into, or even have the thought of like, man, I want to learn about deliverance or casting out demons or any of that. I didn't even know what the word cessationist was. So I didn't even know that's something that I identified as for oh, the record. Okay. 
it's just like it just wasn't on my radar yeah. um because i i was being taught and i thought that and i'm and i'm not here to say that the bible is not all you need because the bible really is all you need but the thing is i i almost feel like the cessationist worldview isn't really reading the bible Mm-mm. um because it's in there and when I kind of came to that knowledge, when I was reading scripture, I was like, I feel like I'm reading this for the first time. When I had read through the New Testament at least 10 times at that point already, I was like, it feels like it's it's the first time I'm seeing this. Mm. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that kind of all started to shift because so there, there were two things that I really still struggled with after I came to know Jesus, and that was marijuana and gluttony so i had mentioned i lost all that weight i was really healthy that came with an eating disorder where i would get into this like binge restrict cycle where it's like an entire family size bag of cheetos gummies a smoothie cookies and ice cream all in one sitting do really good for two weeks and then do that again do really good for two weeks and then do that again do really like a cycle a really vicious cycle of just like binge eating and um smoking weed. So I would always, I I would continue to to smoke weed. Um, And there were times after I got saved where I felt convicted, like you shouldn't do this anymore. But I fell into taking advantage of God's grace. You know, I, oh, there's grace, there's grace. I'm saved and I'm sealed. So I can kind of do this still here and there. It's fine. Like that's, that was kind of my mindset, which is gross because Jesus saved my life in more ways than one. And then I'm like, well, it's okay to sin. It's fine. And I'm not saying we will never sin. Like we all fall short to the glory of God, but to just like habitually engage in sin, that's an entirely different animal. And that's what I continue to do with the marijuana. Like there would be, and it wasn't, and it wasn't even necessarily always because I really wanted to, it was just like, I couldn't not do it. Mm. And it was really weird because it almost felt like it got worse after I got saved where I wanted to smoke more. And I would do it a lot behind, um, behind my now husband's back. Like, because I knew if he saw me smoking weed, he'd be like, well, she's not really changed. And I mean, it's true. So I would do it behind his back. Like if he was gone, like I would just like get so high and then just he'd come home and I'd be like, well, I'm fine now. You know, um, same thing with the binge eating. Like I would, I, I, I really, I mean, I, I tried to hide it from him, but I really hid it from him the best that I could. Um, when, when I got saved, because I knew that it was not fruit. It was not fruit of the spirit that I was producing with those two things really in particular. And um, I really just thought it was a, a case of like, well, look, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Like I, I'm, I'm a sinner and I know that now I know that I'm depraved. I'm aware of that. I know that I need Jesus. And so I thought I could just kind of repent for it in so much where I would say sorry and then do it again. But repenting is like walking away, not just. Yeah thing i'm sorry it's like if you cheat on someone over and over and over you just say i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry but you never actually change like that's not sorriness that's that's just laziness and so i was i was a lazy christian which as grateful as i was 
and as on fire as I was, it, it doesn't really make sense to say that. Like you just heard my whole testimony, how, how in love with Jesus I became, how I knew he was the truth. And yet there was still a lot of laziness. And I want to say that that came heavily from the people around me because when I first got saved, everyone kept telling me I'm extreme. I'm extreme. I'm extreme. I'm extreme. You're too much. You're too much. You're taking this too far. And so I kind of allowed though that those words to mold my Christianity into something that made other people feel comfortable. It was a worldly Christianity where, yeah, I can have my podcast. I can spread the, I can spread the good news. I can go to church. I can pray. I can worship, but I can still live like the world at the same time mm. because that made other people feel comfortable. And, and I felt like this was my way to show people, look, Christians aren't boring, but really what it was showing people was that Christianity is no different and there's wow. really no point in it because what change have you seen in me other than I'm no longer a witch Yeah, um, and I'm no longer depressed. What else have you seen? It's, it's like, not much, not much change. And so I wanted to stop. I, I wanted to, st I, I've always wanted to stop binge eating. That's, that's nothing, that's nothing that makes anybody feel good. Weed makes you feel good. Um, and so I always wanted to stop. I never could. I just couldn't, I, I can't explain it. I just couldn't. Um, and it did get to a point with marijuana where I would throw things away and then literally go into the trash and get them back. Like, so I, I wanted to quit, but I felt like, again, I just, I just, I don't really need to, it's fine. Um, and so we, once we both lived in Tennessee, um, all of this, I wanted to get water baptized finally, because like part of a great church now, like a really, really solid church. Like I thought my church in, in Pennsylvania was wonderful. And then I got to this church here it's amazing. And I really wanted to get baptized with this church. And so I did. I got baptized in January of this year of 2023. And something happened in that baptism. And it didn't, it didn't happen. Like I didn't experience like this supernatural change while I was underwater or anything. And I came up. It was like afterwards, I everything was different. I all of a sudden was just sad again and i didn't know what that was about because it was like shouldn't this be opposite like shouldn't it be the other way around where i got baptized and now everything's better but it's like no actually like where's this weird this weird um feeling of of despair coming from when i haven't felt this in a really long time because i was delivered from that and then I recognized a couple about about a couple weeks later in February. I actually you just interviewed Taylor. We had connected on Instagram and we had been friendly and we had met up just to hang out. But I, I and I knew that she was somebody that was really pursuing this thing called deliverance, and I didn't really know what that meant. But I, I wanted to talk to her about what I was going through for some reason, which was really the Holy Spirit leading me there. And I met up with her and I explained to her and she and, and I said, it's almost like I said, you know, I never really thought that there could be something influencing my flesh. Like, I just thought it was me. 
Yeah. But since I've been water baptized and, and I remember saying it feels like something was drowned, like the dormancy of something was like drowned and like really aggravated by the baptism. And she told me, you know, like she just told me the truth. I mean, she said, she said, that's a, that's a demon. Yeah. And, um, and we went through scripture together. We sat there for like five hours looking at scripture, praying, talking. And it was, it, it was like I said, I felt like I was reading the Bible for the first time again. And I, I was like, how did I miss this and that and that and that and that and that and that? Like, how did I miss that? But it really can't, comes back to, I think I just, I just didn't want to be deceived again. I didn't yeah. want to disobey God again. I did not like, that's the last thing even to this day that I want to do. I don't want to disobey the Lord. I love him so much and walking the narrow road is worth it. But at that time, something was not me. Something because that that was not the 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 new creation that I became would not behave in such a way that the old man would. Mm. And so I knew something was off and, and she prayed over me. We got kicked out of um the the store we were in because we were there for so long. So we're in the parking lot and she's praying over me. And I just, I started manifesting and I didn't know what was happening. And um, it's weird for me to talk about this because I know a lot of people that follow me think that I'm like being deceived all over again and have a lot to say about it. But I mean, the word says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And this is what happened to me. It's I good. mean, and it's by the blood of the lamb that this happened to me because Jesus' name is the only thing that made it stop. Mm. And after that night, I, I, I threw out whatever I had left, and I have not touched marijuana since. Come on. And it's not because I have to stop myself. It's just because, like, I don't want to. It's not... It's not like a pressing, like always in the back of my head, like I need to smoke, I need to smoke, I need to smoke. When can I get a hit? Like, uh, nah, nah, nah. like it's not there anymore. And I haven't binge eaten since. Come on. Like, you know, I if I if I want a snack now, it's like I can have candy and not have cookies and chips and ice cream and, and like and like four thousand calories in one sitting. It's like I can eat things now and like let that be it. And it's it's nothing like I have to really push back or 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 like really like tie my hands behind my back to stop myself from doing. It's just not there. And That's I incredible. did. Um, I actually I had a deliverance with you as well. Um, that was that was wild because Over Zoom. Yeah, that delivered me of the last bit of my eating disorder. And that day, I because I was like obsessively like counting my macros, like my carbs, my fats, my proteins, which I think is okay to do in if you like you have like a specific I need to lose like 10 pounds and then stop doing that. Like, but I couldn't stop. I was doing it for like three years weighing every every morsel that went into my mouth and after we got off zoom i went i got up and i threw it away and that was it and it's like i have since gotten a new one for the purposes of recipe portioning so i know what i'm doing with weight and things but it's not like i need a scale in the house yeah. because i have to know what i'm eating that it's obsession. like 
Right. Like the obsession is gone and it's so freeing. It is so freeing to not have these thoughts, to not deal with these things. And it can only be explained by Jesus. Yeah. Like that is, that is the only explanation, you know, people have said, and there have been times where I've almost like where I've gaslit myself. I talked to you about this, where I've gaslit myself and been like, I don't know what I experienced, but it couldn't have been that because, and basically it's because all these people were telling me it wasn't that. Yeah. It um, wasn't deliverance. They were telling you, oh, Christians can't have demons. It's not deliverance. And I think sadly, even like we talked about, this is like what God has done for me. Whether you believe a Christian could have a demon or not, or deliverance is for today or not, this is a good thing. It's in Jesus name. It's leading me to not want to, like you said, whether it's smoke weed or eating disorder or whatever addiction or spirits there, it's leading me to not want to do these things. How could this not be God? Why would the devil, if this is not God, then you're saying it's the devil. And why would the, why would Satan cast out Satan and make me not want to do the things that Satan obviously wants me to do? And it, and especially for a person like you, we talked about this in your deliverance, when you've spent so many years opening up the door to demons, literally like all the things you did, you've shared about of inviting them in to do the ceremonies and every ritual you've done, it, it's only logical that those demons would come in. And the Bible doesn't say that the moment, and I've said this, you probably heard me say this over and over again, that the moment you get saved, all the demons leave you. And if that was the biblical model, Jesus would have never cast out demons. The disciples would have never cast out demons. They would have just said, get saved, and then all the demons leave you. Yet we see, like, for instance, Philip in Acts chapter 8, he preached to them, he cast out demons, he healed those that were sick. Like, Philip, why are you doing all that? Just get them saved. There's no need for casting out demons, which, again, the cessationists would say, agree with that statement. But that's not what Jesus did. That's not the model. So, like, if we're going to be biblically accurate and honest to the text, then... We cast out demons. We lay hands on the sick. We see the miraculous all throughout the book of Acts in early church. And it works. It's real. You know, people argue and I'm like, if you've sat in a deliverance and you've been there, I was delivered as well after being saved because a similar, like having these crazy desires. I know they're not me. It's like, there's something in me still. Um, and we see, we've seen this with thousands and thousands of people. It's in the Bible. It's, it's the way of Jesus. It's the work of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And you know, my heart is broken for all of the ex-New Agers that get become Christian and they live with these struggles. They say, oh, I don't, I, we're supposed to be addicted. We're supposed to have thoughts of killing ourselves still. We're, pastors say this from behind the pulpit. It's normal to hear voices and names of people. And in my mind, I'm like, no, it's not. It's not normal to have a voice telling you to take your life. It's not normal to feel good when you're self-harming. It's not normal to feel good when you're binge eating. These are destructive demonic tendencies that are not supposed to feel good yet why do they feel good why do destructive things make me feel so good and it, the only explanation is there's these unclean spirits that want you to destroy yourself and they get pleasure off of and they live through us and they live in us and the bible gives us the answer the answer is in jesus the answer is the name of Jesus. And man, I want to encourage you. God has done such a work in your heart, such a work in your life. It's so real. It's like, man, we can't let people come in our life and talk us out of the work that God has done in us. That leads us to repentance. You know, people always say, how do I know if it's a demon talking to me or God or, and I'm going like, what direction is it leading you? If it's a voice telling you to pray and to fast and to read, the fruit tells 
what the root is. The root is either good or bad, and the fruit will be the telltale sign. It's like, man, if there's something telling you to, to read and to pray and to fast, it's probably God. But if there's a voice telling you to smoke weed, telling you to overeat and fill in the blank for all the people in the chat, then it's probably something demonic. And if there is that voice telling me, then I want to get rid of that voice. What is the antidote? The antidote is there's power in Jesus name, especially coming out of the new age. Like you believed in the power of the devil. Why would you not now? And I'm not, I'm not preaching to you because I know you do, but I think like, why would you now not believe in the power of God? If you've come out of the new age and now you've gone into God doesn't heal anymore. God doesn't deliver anymore. Miracles don't happen through people. It's like, man, you believed in the power of the devil and you believe that the devil has a plan and the devil's working. Why would we swing? And this is something me and Taylor talked about. Why would we swing so far in the other direction and say, man, God isn't real. God can't deliver. God can't heal. And so I think we massively need the power of God, the presence of God in the church, showing the new agers like there is an alternative and it's the truth. It's not the perverted version because we know the devil only counterfeits. There's an authentic version of the power of God. And so I would say, man, keep running with what God is doing, what God has for you. And and the more you... the more you study scripture, the more you see the supernatural presence yeah. and power of God. I mean, if you study the gospel, you can't get through a chapter in the book of Mark without seeing Jesus demonstrating, casting out devils, healing the sick. And it's like very basic. I want to be like Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm an ambassador according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm, I'm Christ's ambassador on the earth. And John 14, 12, the works I've done, you'll do even greater. And we can try to like, well, he meant numbers and well, but it's like, why are we telling him what he meant? He said, greater works you're going to do now that I go to the father. And so to me, it's like the Bible makes it so clear. I, I asked Dr. Brown, you know, who's a legitimate scholar, theologian, all that he's charismatic. Like what is a good argument for cessationism, right? I want to be able to defend it. I want to be able to go, go at them and be able to give a good argument. Give me one of their best arguments. And he's debated every cessationist out there has challenged John MacArthur for the years and John MacArthur won't Mm. debate him. But he said, Isaiah, there isn't one. There's not one. There's there's not one good argument or debate on cessationism because the Bible doesn't teach God isn't moving anymore. The Bible teaches that God is still moving. And so what a powerful testimony that you have, Angelo. What a powerful story. We've gone over two two hours and 30 minutes, which is amazing. Oh, this is one gosh. of our longest podcasts. It, but you know what? It's amazing. All of it has been good. Everything you've said has been so powerful, so profound, has touched minds, touched hearts. I know it'll reach millions of people online, even as the weeks come. People listen to audio and all that stuff. Do you have any closing thoughts? I wanted you also just to say a quick prayer for all of those that are in the new age, that are coming out of the new age. Just a prayer for them that God would touch their heart, touch their mind, and bring them out. And then I also want to quickly talk about where people can find you and i want to i have something god's put on my heart i want to share with all of you guys so please don't leave because i want to share that with you guys as well towards the end about supporting her and her ministry but yeah if you any closing remarks and then i would love to have you just say a quick prayer over everyone if you're comfortable with that this is like a full-length movie but um it's so good though it's it's just really quick i wanted to note that there were like a couple things that really stuck with me to come out of cessationism. And because a lot of people like to say, like always use the verse that when Paul says like, Oh, the gifts will cease. Yeah. But it literally says they will cease when the perfect has come. And if you look around, does, does it look like the perfect has come? I mean, like, honestly, (laughs) so like the perfect has come, like when Jesus comes back, like we won't need that. Right. So that's like how I interpret that. 
And I just don't see how we can interpret that as the perfect is here when we look around us and we're in chaos at all times. And then the second facet is, well, I guess there's really three is that the second is that Hebrew says that I don't even like to call it. I'm a continuationist because it literally just says in Hebrews that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Like that's it. That, that that's it. And then the third is that like people always say to me, well, it looks like Jesus isn't enough for you anymore. <laughs> Whatever. It's like, no, actually Jesus is so enough, but he's also a part of the triune God and the Holy Spirit is enough for me too. Mm, that's good. So that's really where I'm at at this point in my walk. And the fruit has been abundant and amazing. My life is amazing and i and i and i mean that's not to say there's not struggles because there certainly are there are things i'm praying for now to to the circumstances that i would like me and my husband to get out of certain things in our lives but i mean we just got married april 25th we are both believers we're both walking with the lord every everything is 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 a, a t- two years ago i wanted to kill myself and now come on Thank i'm married you, Jesus. and just like in in the glory of god and it's just like a, a miracle like what he has done the work he has done in me is a miracle so thank you for this so opportunity. Good. This was this was awesome. I had this a feeling this would be a long coming. conversation with you. Yeah, this was a long time coming. I reached out to you, I think, a year ago, and then it all worked out. But man, this is a long time coming. It's so God. It's right now for this time. There's so many people that are being touched in the chats. I've been reading the chat the entire time and continuing, and they've just received it so well. But I would love for you to say a quick prayer, and then we'll talk about where they can find you. Now you have the new podcast, Heaven and Healing, which here's the thing, guys. I want to tell my entire audience, every single person listening, when someone comes out of these things, the new age, and we pray these people out, Lord, touch people that have astrology podcasts and tarot card podcasts, and now they're starting Christian podcasts, we need to support these things. I'm like, of anything I want to support, it's a ministry like this where you're reaching new agers, you're reaching, and you're not just reaching, let's not limit your calling. You're not just reaching new agers, you're reaching every facet of life, lukewarm Christians, religious people, ex-new agers, people in Satanism people that are addicted to Taylor Swift, which we won't even go into. She has videos on her channel about that. We're reaching all, you're reaching all these different people. These are, these are ministries I want to invest in. A ministry like yours is something where I go, I want to invest in this, not just in prayer, but I also want to invest financially. I want to support, I want to platform. I want to give you a spot to speak. I want to bring you on the podcast more. I want to do group podcasts. I want to support what God is doing in your life because it's profound, it's powerful, it's biblical, it's what this generation needs. How many young ladies watch our channel and go, man, and you said that when we first met, you're like, you don't have enough ladies on your channel. I'm like, I know we need powerful women voices that will come and speak the word of God and be bold. We have a million women out there that are selling their bodies and promoting OnlyFans. Why would we not support women of God that are preaching the word of God, that are bringing biblical content and that are spending their life? You went from the moon and back to now heaven and healing podcast. It's like, man, we want to get behind and support. So I just want to challenge before I go into my other thing, all our viewers get behind this podcast. I've linked her channel down below. I've linked her monthly giving all that support what God is doing. Uh, Before I go into all of that, I want to talk about after. Uh, Let's just pray uh, just to pray us out with. God touching those that are in the chat and those that have listened to this testimony. Sure. So first I want to just, Father God, I want to lift my brother Isaiah to you and just thank you for the work that you were doing in his life, that you were doing through his platform, the way that you were moving through him daily. Father, thank you so much for him, his life and his testimony. 
and the ways that you use that testimony to touch the people that view him. And Father, everybody that is listening, both on the live and in the replay, all those that are watching, Lord, you know all of them by name. You yes. knitted all of them in the womb, Lord. You know their stories. You know their hearts, Lord. And so I pray that whatever it is that they are struggling with, whatever bondage that they are in, that you would free them from that yes. bondage in a supernatural, radical way, that they would have a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit in such a way that they can no longer deny the name of Jesus if they have been, in a way that they can no longer deny your provision, your grace, and your free gift of salvation if they have been. For any non-believer that may be listening over two hours in, which in and of itself is a miracle and shows the hunger that yes. they actually have for you, I pray that you would feed that hunger with your spirit, Lord. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they would give themselves to you at the foot of the cross, that they would lay down their lives, lay down their sin in the mighty name of Jesus. And for all the believers listening that still struggle with the bondage from their past, Lord, I pray that you would lift all of that from them in Jesus' name. I pray that you would supernaturally give them eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive the truth that the narrow road is worth taking, yes. Father. I pray that they would pick up their cross and follow you that they would no longer suppress who you are, that they would no longer deny that they need you more than they need their vice, more than they need their spiritual narcotics. God, I pray that you would lift all that bondage from them. I pray that they that all that deception would just break off them now in an instant in the mighty name of Jesus, binding up whatever it is that is not of you, Lord, in Jesus' name, and asking the Holy Spirit to just come and burn all of that away with the fire of the Lord, because your word says that you are an all-consuming fire, Lord. And so I pray that you would just burn away everything within them that is not of you, Father God, and just give them a fresh anointing of your spirit. Just completely yes, fill them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet with nothing but you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that because your mercies are new every morning, that they would just wake up tomorrow feeling a fresh fire for you, that they would go out, that they would make disciples, that they would baptize the nations, that they would do all of these things, lay hands on the sick in the mighty name of Jesus, that they would do so unashamed. I pray for boldness, for confidence in both myself and in the body of Christ to just proclaim who Jesus is, to not only talk about the gospel, but to demonstrate the gospel and how we live and what we do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good. Thank you, Lord. What a powerful time. You know, I know you've received, Angela, I just want to be transparent and honest here. This last portion I want to share backlash from those that are in the whatever cessationist community, religious, whatever you want to call it, that have said, oh, now you're into deliverance and now you're into miracles and all of that. But I want to let you know that we are in, we support you. We're praying for you. We're praying with you. And I want to not just do that, but I want to, sh I want us to show our support, guys. Here's the thing. Her content is free online, just like my content. We are not charging for our content. Our content is free. We're giving our lives to this. We're full-time doing this. And 145 episodes, I've never said what I'm about to say. I really want all of you guys to pray about becoming a monthly partner. And not just, I'm going to ask you, you know, give one time this broadcast. And I'm going to send her a love offering tonight. All of that, of course. But not just a one time tonight. 
of let's give $20 or whatever to sow into her and her ministry, but so pray about supporting her on a monthly uh, on a monthly basis so that she can say, oh, okay, look, I have this amount coming in a month. I can quit my job. She's a server right now. I can quit my job and do this full time, put out content, preach the word, reach people on social media full time. So I'm going to be the first one to sign up and do that on her website and be giving her a monthly support. And I'm asking all of you guys, and you guys know, listen, if you're a longtime viewer, I've never once in three years ever told you to go support someone's ministry monthly like this. I put her link as the first link in my description on YouTube, go directly to her website mods, grab that link. It's the first link to give to support her. I want you guys to pray about $20 a month, $50 a month, hundred. It is a investment. This is not just you giving money and just being like, oh, it's another subscription. This is an investment to say, man, I'm investing in what you're doing. So I believe in this. I'm going to do this. My wife and I are going to do this tonight. Right when I get off, I'll be the first one to sign up. But I also want you guys to pray $10, $20, $30, whatever amount. It doesn't matter. Guys, we're doing this for free. You've been three hours. Those of you in the chat that are like, oh, don't ask to give. You've been in here three hours almost. And we haven't asked you guys for a dollar. You haven't paid anything and you don't have to pay anything. You might leave and say, I don't have $5, then praise the Lord, enjoy the content. Be blessed by all of our content. Go watch your podcast free on YouTube. You can see all our episodes. But I really felt when I prayed about this, the Holy Spirit saying, Isaiah, get behind this ministry, get behind what she's doing, tell your people, which they're not my people, they're God's people, okay? So forget about me saying my people. These are God's people, tell my people, and we're saying God's people, to support what she's doing. So I really believe in what you're doing, Angela. I believe in what your husband's doing. I thank God for your best friend. Was it Alyssa, if I'm not mistaken? I thank God for Alyssa, for praying for you, for being there for you. Hey, what a friend to burn all your stuff with you. A true friend mm -hmm. doesn't give give someone witchcraft and stuff, they burn it with you. So man, I thank God for Alyssa and her burning that stuff with you and supporting you in prayer and praying for you for 20 years and, and plus. And I just thank God, what a strong testimony. The link is there. Guys, please pray about it. Literally, I'm not, I'm not gonna be those, I don't believe in like, oh, everybody, God's saying sow this amount for your prophetic word. We're not doing none of that. That's not what we're saying here. But I really believe like 100 of you giving 10, $20 a month would be more than enough to get her full time. My prayer, and I will do whatever I can is to see her quit her server job and serve the people of God full time. I mean, that would be a beautiful story to be like, man, I'm full time ministry. That's the dream for someone like Angela that's supporting. And obviously financially, it's things are expensive. We can't just, you know, we so you got she needs your guys support. We need your guys support. She doesn't want me to do this. I told her <laughs> I'm going to do this. The Holy Spirit told me to do this. I wouldn't be doing this if the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to. So I want to make sure you guys all do that again. The mods will put the link mods go ahead and link it her link is going to be right in the description what they're they're putting it but guys can you guys get her giving link please i have that right down below it is the first link or the second link it says to support angela financially and there's the link let me copy it really fast just so you guys have the exact link here i'm going to put this in the channel guys mods repost what i just posted it's donor box um, I want to make sure you guys get that link. It's very important. And then Angela, while they're putting your link up there, the mods are putting it up the donor box link. Where else can they find you? What else are you doing? Just go ahead and share with us um, where else they can find your ministry. So heaven and healing podcast is on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify, probably more platforms soon. My husband is always on me. He's like, you need to be on more, but yes. Um, and then literally only Instagram, which is just like an accident waiting to happen at this point. I'm on Instagram and that's just my full name, Angela, Angela Marie Uchi. And coming back two and a half hours ago, you did say it right. So, 
Oh, I did. Can, Uchi yeah. is right. It's like Gucci without the G. Okay, so it is right. So guys, please show her some love. Um, show her support. Let's put our money where our mouth is. I don't just want to say, oh yeah, I'm I'm supporting you in word, but I want to support you in action. As the Bible clearly says, don't just say, you know, I want to help somebody in word, but do it in action. So if you can, again, if you can't, there's no shame. Don't don't message saying, I'm sorry, I don't have any money. Don't say sorry. Don't apologize. We don't care. We just want those that are, could afford to. I know I have friends and family on right now that could easily afford to do over and above even what I'm going to do monthly. But yeah, it does help. I, I'm I'm saying this so much because I know what it's like to not have a guaranteed income. And the really the way we survive is by people saying, I'll give monthly. So we can look and say, oh, I could actually survive because I have a certain amount coming in, not just random people giving through the podcast. So Angela, thank you so much for being on. I'm going to stay on. I'm going to be sending you something uh, tonight as a love offering. I know you didn't ask for it, but I want to support you as well. But thank you. I hope we can do more in the future, more episodes, more podcasts, more content. And just thank you so much for being on tonight. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was great. Awesome. We'll see you soon. See ya. Bye. God bless. That was her intro, guys, of the podcast that I showed you. What a powerful, powerful testimony of what God is doing. If you guys didn't watch the beginning of the podcast, you need to go back and watch it when she said, that was a clip that just popped up randomly, when she said, I don't want to do yoga anymore. I don't want to do astrology. That was her old podcast. Make sure you go back to the beginning when I introduce her and you watch that podcast. I want to also challenge you guys to sow into not just her ministry to the broadcast tonight, which many of you have already done. If you're listening, isaiasaldivar.com slash partner. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiasaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.